You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. That's right, winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 151 of the Big Show, some enforcer based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another wild Wednesday. Uh, got a cool interview for you guys today. Mike Perpeck, he was uh, played it two years in the BC Junior League with the Penticton Panthers and then uh, spent four years at the uh, powerhouse North Dakota Fighting Sioux of the NCAA and, uh, and then, of course, turned pro with New Mexico and then went over to the UK and played for Cardiff and Newcastle. And uh, Mike was a great guest. It was great to have him finally get on. Him and I had talked about it before and... Uh, with harvest and hockey and everything getting in the way, but we finally uh, were able to make it work. And uh, yeah, he was a great guest. So I will not talk for too long today because Mike and I talked for like two and a, 
I don't even know how long we, I've netted it, I have to add it on here, but I think it's like two hours and a bit anyway, so, and nobody tuned in to listen to me anyway, so uh, that's what uh, I guess Sundays are for with the rant episodes, hopefully everybody uh, went back and uh, and listened to this past Sunday um, episode with the uh, the myth versus reality portion of of the show where I broke down the Wendell Clark, Marty McSorley famous playoff fight and have gotten uh, a little bit of uh, feedback over that. And uh, it's all, it's always fun to, uh, to, to hear what you guys think on the, on the situation. So uh, definitely check that out as well as uh, well. You're, if you got some new, I'm sure Mike has some fans here. So, I mean, you're tuning in for the first time. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I encourage you to please go back and check out my back catalog Interviewed a lot of great guys, John Morasti, uh, Steve McIntyre, Joey Tedarenko, um, for the UK fans that are listening out there, uh, numerous UK guys, Colt King, Zach Fitzgerald, uh, Riley Emerson, Joe Grimaldi, Mike McWilliam, Frank Kovacs, uh, Sean McMorrow, Matt Nickerson, um, uh, yeah, so I mean, de- definitely, uh, l- lots of UK flavor, uh, to the show as well, and, uh, you know, and I appreciate everybody tuning in, and, uh, and, and hope you guys will really enjoy this one. Um, uh, again, uh, member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Of course, those guys, the season rolling now, they're, uh, they're in full flight. So, uh, find your team and check it out. Uh, for my off network friends, of course, you got Mud Show down in Florida, part time only at the Five for Fighting show. You know, he's hit, I know he's coming out with something this weekend, so, uh, that'll be interesting. He's, uh, he's a little revved up, so it might be a, it might be a little ranty. <laughs> um, but no, Alec, definitely check out his back catalog. Yablonski, Rob Ray, Frank Bialois, Mike Segroy, uh, tremendous interviews. Um, you know, he's just, uh, going through some stuff and, uh, you know, uh, well, I talked about the last episode, had a few get, had a guest, a couple guests ditch him and, uh, and then some, uh, Work, work and some personal related things so that, uh, I will let him talk about. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, so I won't get on him too much because I, he's ready to have a, a falling down moment. So I will, uh, I, I won't, uh, wrap him up too much, you know, and especially them Florida types, right? You never know. Holy, I don't want him to all of a sudden be on CNN. So, uh, yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep him off. I won't say too much, but, uh, and of course, the, uh, the other gentleman at the Coliseum Chronicles, it's a New York Islander enforcer podcast. Of course, Jolton Joe Lazito. Girl Lazito. Um, Jolton Joe is back to work in New York City after being furlong and he is back and, uh, he packed up his, uh, Tchaikovsky lunch box and his lean cuisines and, uh, and off he went. So, um, you know, Joe, Joe's back at her. So, uh, he's sitting on the train right now. I bet you're listening or, uh, you know, at, at his cubicle, Joe seems like the type that I bet you brings, uh, probably puts fish in the microwave in the, in the break room. I could see Joe being that guy. So, uh, yeah, but he's back at it, folks. Good to, I know he's, uh, he'll be happy to be back to work and, uh, hopefully get back to some, um, you know, some normalcy and, uh, nine to five, eh, brother back at her. Good to hear. So, uh, Jolt and Joe. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I, hey, what, what more is there to say? Um, you know, uh, you, he might be, well, with his merchandise, like I said, Joe's out, you know, merchandising, uh, uh, capital out there. I mean, lower to Long Island, you know, his face is everywhere. And, uh, you know, so, uh, 
definitely if you're in the uh, Long Island or uh, area, check it out. Uh, like I said, you put on some uh, Lazito gear and doors will open for you in Empire City. So, but uh, again, Joe, uh, I had Joe on last Wednesday, a great guest. It was fun to talk about the old Tough Guy magazines. Always enjoy. Certainly not the last time we'll have Joe on the show. And uh, but now that he's a working back in the working stiff, I don't know. It might be tough to get a hold of him now, but uh, we'll we'll see. But he'll definitely be back on. And uh, always fun to talk to Joe. And I'll have to get Alec on as well. Maybe we'll have to do a roundtable. I'll have to come up with a topic, and we'll uh, we'll it'll be a, the eras. You know, you have the on both ends of the scale. You know, you got uh, the youngster and, and Alec, and then you know Joe's. Uh, you know, we had to talk loud for Joe, you know, and well, I mean, that's the thing. You're going to have Joe on the show. You got to do it before 315 too. So, you know, he doesn't want to miss the blue plate, the blue, uh, blue plate special at, uh, at Denny's. So, you know, and he's got to be home before the street lights come on. So it's kind of tough to record with Joe sometimes, but, uh, we'll see how that goes, but Coliseum Chronicles, check Joe out. Uh, always great stuff, but, uh, yeah, guys, other than that, if you happen to be on social media, why? But if you are, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well as Facebook. Also, check out my YouTube channel. I have over 2,500 fight videos on there, including a few Mike Perpec tilts from the Penticton Panther days. Check that out. As long as, uh, actually, there's a bunch of Penticton fights on there. Tanner Glass fighting John Morasti, uh, in, out in BC and, uh, you know, a bunch of, uh, cool old classic BCHL brawls. So definitely check that out. But, uh, yeah, other than that, how about I shut up? Let's get into this. Here is my interview with Mike Perpak, and uh, I will talk to you. I will yell at you guys on Sunday. Thanks, everybody. All right, on the line, fellow Saskatchewan boy, Mike Perpich. Mike, how are you doing today? Not too bad. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, it's it's uh, it, It's been a while. I mean, I, uh, I geez, I think I was, uh, I was talking to you last year, but I think Harvest was on. So you're like, yeah, get a hold of me in a bit. And a bit became a year. So I'm a little behind the game here, but I'm glad to have you on today. Um, yeah, how's actually, how did, uh, how did everything go this year with the harvest before we get going? Yeah. Uh, everything went pretty well, you know, wasn't exactly the best year in the world, but you know, it can always be worse, especially in farming. So no, it wasn't too bad at all. And, you know, we got finished up, uh, before any of the bad weather starting to come in. So. It was nice to get it all done with and basically get a chance to switch over to hockey season with the kids now. Yeah, well, you were telling me, like, let's get this interview in now because I won't be free until April. Um, are you are you coaching and stuff? Well, my wife and I, first of all, we run the town arena here in Keniston. And then we have three kids, one in U13, one in U9, and one in U7. So... Basically, for practices, we spend because we don't have a whole lot of kids in Keniston, so we're actually my kids are playing in the neighboring town of Hanley, just north of us. Yep. Um, so yeah, we spend four days a week just in practices at the rink, and then games on the weekends. So yeah, she turns into a full-on gong show from here on till the yeah. ice melts. I guess oh, I was going to say nothing's busier than the small town rink guy. I can tell you, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Hey, is it still home of the Super Draft? Does that still happen? You, oh, you bet. Uh, actually, my mom was in. They're starting to get geared up for it to start sending everything out and doing everything there. So, 
you know, it usually kicks in about that, uh, about a week after the season, they start gearing up for it and start doing all the, all their behind the scenes things and getting all the drafts and the letters out. And so, yeah, it'll be in full, full goal mode here for the next couple of weeks for that. Yeah, there you go. Well, we'll, we'll get into your tale here. Um, <laughs> where, well, where did, Hey, where did you grow up and play your minor hockey? Well, I grew, I grew up here in Keniston. Um, we had, you know, that it was busy. So we had age groups all the way up. I played at home here for up until my second year peewee. And then my first year Bantam, um, a friend of ours from a town south of us, Lucky Lake, he, uh, he was putting together, he's kind of been running a Bantam A program, not quite double A, but you know, we'd play some double A uh, teams and so I went and played there for a year so we had to drive you know an hour hour and 15 hour and 20 you know I don't know how I forget how many times a week just for practice and games and then my second year Bantam second first year Midget I spent playing in Warman double A Bantam and double A Midget up there I uh, did make any triple A teams my my first year Midget and then actually my second year midget, I tried out, I believe, first for the Saskatoon Blazers, got cut there, and, you know, you get cut, you're pissed off, disappointed, sad, you know, I don't even think, I think it was maybe a day or two, or even that, the day I got cut, we, I got a call from uh, Saskatoon, the contacts, and ended up... Uh, Ended up playing with the contacts that year, my last year midget, uh, AAA. So that was a blast, except for I I think about Christmas time, I broke my collarbone. I crushed somebody behind the net in Notre Dame, Wilcox, and jammed my shoulder where the dasher and the ice meet and just split my collarbone. So I ended up, I think I was out for two months and, uh, made it back for playoffs and actually that was a hell of a team we had i think we finished we won bronze at the max and then we went to air canada cup in montreal which being a team from the west that was tough yeah um let's just say the ref the referee <laughs> might have been fairly one-sided well there was a story when we were at the air canada cup that uh actually the uh there were scouts leaving the game they were so bad, the, the officiating. There was Team Sa- uh, Fort Sask had a team. They were the BC, Alberta uh, representative. And that had, they had like Joffrey Lupul and a few other guys on that team. And they actually beat us in the semifinals at the max. So that's why we ended up in the bronze medal game. But we both ended up meeting up again out at the Air Canada Cup. And I know there was one day that they played the host Montreal team and we played the Quebec champion and both teams. Like if you looked at the power, play, I don't know what the power plays for and against were, but it was so one-sided. It was disgusting, I guess. And I, they had scouts leaving the, leaving the rink disgusted. I guess, I think at one point hockey Canada had to step in and basically tell the tournament committee that to smarten up or we're going to basically haul out all your refs and bring in hockey Canada refs. And, it was such a night and day difference because we played, and it basically uh, Fort Sask played the Quebec team in the semifinal, and we played the, or the host team Montreal, and we played the Quebec team again, champion, 
and it was so much, it was, it was night and day. Like, you know, everybody was getting fair calls and ended up that we ended up losing anyway. And we beat Fort Sask in the bronze medal game, but it was a blast, you know, got to travel quite a bit with that team and yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a, yeah. A solid triple uh, A midget program there. That's, that's interesting. You didn't make it the first year, but uh so you so following that after that, uh, what are your uh, did you have any? Uh, well, you end up well, you end up in Penticton in the BC Junior League. Was there any? Um, was that like a goal to get to BC or like? Uh, I'm assuming like why why didn't you go to the SJ? I guess is the question I'm looking. Um, I should ask. Uh, well, we'll start there. actually. Be- yeah, before I. Uh... Before I tried, like went to AAA camps, I went because uh, Weyburn, Weyburn, I was on Weyburn, Weyburn's protected list. Yep. So I went to camp there and actually Tanner Glass and I were line mates there for like, we went to spring camp. You know, they told us, you know, you guys play like that. You have a good chance of making Weyburn SJ team. And, you know, we both went there, you know, that's time where you, spring camp and even main camp, you know, vets are lining up fights and we fought everybody that they lined us up with. And we actually both got cut from Weyburn and I did play one game. I got called up one game, played with Weyburn against Kindersley and Kindersley. And then, um, honestly, uh, what was it after it would have been early, well, after the Air Canada Cup, so, you know, mid-May, early June, I got a call from uh, uh, Bryant Perrier from BC, Penticton. And, you know, he's like, would you like the way you play? Would you want to come out, you know, for a visit, see what you think of the place? And actually they had uh, a buddy of mine uh, that I played with the contacts with too, uh, Rory McMahon. And so we both went out there. Rory was pretty dead set on going to Flin Flon and I think you know you go to Penticton it's beautiful Love it. and that's yeah. where I wanted to go because they, they you know they seemed interested in actually having me there Weyburn was you know never giving me a straight answer with anything so I was going out there to basically just check it out and sign right there commit to going to Penticton and uh, I think it was by the time we were getting on the plane going to uh coming back home, Rory, <laughs> Rory had committed as well. So he's like, how could you not love it out there? Like it was just a beautiful city. Um, you know, that program itself too. Yeah. was awesome. So, I, I got yeah, it. On one hand it's flip flon and the other hand it's Penticton. I mean, no offense to the flip flon yeah, listeners, I, but come on now, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, but, at, and at the end of the day too, like we looked at it and actually that year, like there was all of us that were, there was a I forget how many from Saskatchewan that we were all second year midget. We all I think there was I'd say seven or eight of us all went to BC because it was just you always heard the stories. You know the farther west you went, it was easier for NCAA teams to recruit you because yep. you know you've a scout or a head coach flies into Vancouver when a interior team is on the coast. Fuck, he can see you know half the teams in the league in a weekend. If you've yep. got all the on, if you've got a bunch of interior teams, so you only have to make two trips out there to see basically every player in that league. So, yeah, there was a pile of us that uh, that headed out that way. And actually, for the next couple of years, there was a lot of Saskatchewan kids that were heading out that way. You know, guys that I had played AAA midget with, or even new growing up, 
playing hockey against each other and so we all ended up out there and it's actually funny I almost didn't even stay out in Penticton because I broke my hand in one of the first two I think it was the second second exhibition game <laughs> so I, I almost even didn't even make Penticton because of that I got hurt in preseason but uh, yeah so Weyburn cuts you and Tanner Glass yeah it's solid scouting there boys yeah uh <laughs> Jesus. All right. Um, but well, and like you said, with the, with the college scholarship and everything like that, was that on your mind going out there or was that sort of like, yeah. Yeah. Was it always like school with you? Like, did you have any, like, I guess, did you have any, like, Oh, if I have a good year here, maybe I can make the, I can go into the Western hockey league. Was that any consideration? Well, to be honest, no, because I had, we had a, uh, a friend of ours that coached uh, with de- my with my dad, uh, the summer hockey program, Saskan. They yep. they all started it together, um, and he was actually a scout for Prince George. And he he asked me a few times to come to camps out there. Um, and I just said, you know, I at the time, you know, I was interested in going to school and playing hockey, so I was more chasing the uh, scholarship. So. Yeah, the dub. Like I, I probably had opportunities to go try out. I just, you know, like I said, I was, I was try, I was kind of set on going the NCAA route. Yeah. Um, well, well, let's talk about it. So, you, so you get out to Penticton. It's two thousand, two thousand one. Um, you guys had a hell of a team. Um, you know, finished in uh, in, in first place. And uh, uh, what were your when you, when you step up from AAA out to the to Junior A in the in the BC League. Um, what, uh, how, how, how'd you find the competition and, uh, and how was the adjustment period for your first year in the uh, BC league? Um, probably the biggest adjustment was that I run my mouth so much on the ice. You know, when you go from a full cage to a visor, if you run your mouth enough, you're going to actually, you actually have to stand up for yourself. You know, you you tell the wrong guy to fuck off and the next thing you know, he's either going to try and kill you or you got to fight. So, and actually, like I said, I almost didn't make Penticton because I broke. So we're playing in trail and, uh, one of the vets, I forget. There's a, I forget. I don't even know who it was on the other team. He had a full cage on. He's running around taking runs at, you know, two, like 19, 20 year olds. And after, I think it was after the first period. Well, one of our turned who ended up being one of our assistant captains, Adam Reed, who was tough as nails. Yeah, comes in if if one of you rookie fucks don't do something about this guy, you're probably not going to be here for very long. I'm thinking, oh shit, we're all kind of looking at each other because we had a pretty, you know, we were pretty much fifty fifty old guys to that's that's the look. And sure enough, I end up in a scrum in front of the net with this kid. I all I do, and I just go blank. I know I, I reached in, I grabbed with my bare hand, grabbed his mask, pulled it right off his fucking helmet, and just started teeing off. And he's throwing. I ended up falling backwards and still throwing punches from my back. And I think I connected with every one. So I get to the penalty box and I'm looking at my right hand. I'm like, holy Christ! I'm like, I have no knuckle. My like uh, my second my finger right beside my pinky. I have no knuckle, and I'm thinking, oh shit, it's okay. It was towards the end of the period, so 
I get out of the box, I play two shifts, I can, and it's my top hand on my stick. I can barely hold my stick. And so I get into the get into the dressing room at one point my one buddy's pulling my finger out because we just think I dislocated my knuckle and it kind of went back into my hands so we're trying to pull my finger out and then the trail team doctor comes in and looks he's like oh yeah you broke your hand so I broke the bone in my hand I'm like oh shit so I ever put a cast on it for a couple weeks the swelling didn't go down or they put a cast on when my hand was too swollen so it never healed like at one point I could reach in and push the bone back into place so I ended up having a metal plate put in and uh it actually healed a lot quicker I was back playing with a boxer's cast probably two weeks later and uh so one of the first trips back we end up going to the coast. So we go play Nanaimo, Cowichan, and I think we played Victoria last on the Sunday. And this, so we're a close game, whatever, and they had some tough guys. I think it was Mike Rosa, uh, uh, what the, Aaron Boros. Oh, Chris, and, uh, Chris Shaw. Yeah, they, like, they had some good players, and they were tough, and, so I think it was a sec towards the end of the second period, my buddy and I are forward checking and he's coming from one way. I'm coming from the other. This guy's coming around his net with the puck and he turns my way. And obviously his head was low, like just the way he turned and I hit him and knocked him out cold. Like he's convulsing on the ice and I look and I go, oh, shit. And their whole bench is yelling at me and like, it's not like I jumped or got my elbow up or anything, but just the way he turned and the way he was boards, it was, I hit kind of, you know, the back of his shoulder. Like he was right tight against the boards too. And their bench is loose. I go right to our bench and I look at our trainer, Heather, and I said, you've got to cut this cast off because there's a good chance I'm going to be fighting the rest of the game. So they, he gets, uh, or they take him off on a stretcher. And so they, we go back in, they, flood the ice we come back out we play the last two minutes of the second period start the third and still nothing nobody's touched me nobody's said anything to me and I'm just waiting for it waiting for it and I think it, I was going back I was going back our D was D man was going back for the puck I was going back to support and all of a sudden I get a tug on the back of my jersey like horse collar and I turn around and it's Boros I'm like oh shit so just, you know, drop gloves and I go to hit him with my right hand. And I'm thinking, well, shit, I just broke that one. So it's not pro- fully healed. If I hit him, I might break it again. So I ended up switching hands and did pretty well in the fight, you know. And of course, like I, I I've never had anybody let go of me and cover their face. I'll just put it that way. Like, and he it just went off. Like it was just complete instinct. And of course, me being a young dipshit, I do the belt and everything, saying, oh, yeah, I kicked the shit out of your tough guy. Who's next? Kind of thing. I'm like, dad gave me shit to this day about it. He's like, you idiot. What are you doing? Just fight and go to the penalty box like a normal person. <laughs> go back to the penalty box. And so they're still all over me, yipping at me. Oh, they're going to kill you, whatever. Sure, shit. I end up scoring a goal or assisting on a goal, and they're still yipping at me at the bench. I said, I already beat up Boros. Who's next? Well, they had Rosa. 
And every and I didn't notice that I'm lining up at the faceoff after the goal, and the next thing I know, Rosa grabs me and just starts going off on me, and I'm doing the best, you know, to protect myself and not take too big of a beating. And he got the better of me on that one. But the only mark I had on my face, which turned out to be pretty cool, is he b- broke a blood vessel in my eye. So my half my eye went blood red, and the <laughs> other half was white. So it it freaked out a couple kids the next day and couch him when they were yipping at me. And I looked at him through the glass and they, holy shit, he's got a red eye. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, that, that and that was my introduction to. But really, that was the biggest. You know, the speed of the game and everything. You know, Triple A midget and Junior A wasn't too bad. It was the fact that now you're playing against older guys that were a lot stronger. Yeah. And like I said, if you ran your mouth or did anything stupid, you had to answer for yourself. You know, like I said, like I had to when I yeah. drilled or hit that guy. And well, were you like, were you always a fi- guys. were you always a physical player? Like, were you knowing? Like, did you? Because I mean, after I went on YouTube and I was watching your fights, and it's like. I, well, I mean, it look obviously it looks like you know what you're doing. Like it's not like a completely spaz, right? Like you could th- you're yeah. throwing both hands. Yeah. And so, I mean, did you take any like were you did you ever take any boxing or anything, or were you just like naturally no, into I, it? Really, like it, it started like I was always small growing up, like always small, but still had a big mouth. Like I remember whether it was pee wee bant, I was tiny. And I'd still throw my body around, run, take, run at the biggest guy and try and put him on his ass or, you know, and as you get older, like I said, you got to start. And I think I got into my first fight at a uh, Kindersley Clippers uh, spring camp and mom took it, t- took me to it. And that was my first fight. You know, you just basically, I just grabbed, just start throwing away. Didn't care if I got punched, you know, it really, to me, it never hurt till the next, so you're laying on your pillow three hours later and you're like, Oh shit, that's where he got me. But I, my first fight in Kindersley, sure enough, he gets one lucky punch in, gives me my first black eye. So I got to school. I said, Jesus, now it looks like I got my ass kicked because I'm the one with the black eye, but I was the only punch he landed. But that's kind of where it went. Like I said, I played to protect myself and, you know, like I said, I, I'd run my mouth. I'd do anything to get in your face say all kinds of shit to try and get you worried about me, not the, not the puck, you know, like draw a penalty or whatever. And if I had to fight, it, it just, I don't know if it came naturally to me or, or what, but I just kind of took to it. And like I said, it was at, at one point it was, well, at one point it was fun, you know, like I said, getting punched in the face to me didn't really hurt. And I've taken quite a few, <laughs> few punches. So you're you're saying you sort of had like a Matthew Barnaby kind of vibe going. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, there you like go. it's funny now that you, you but you watch like guys like Brad Marchand in the NHL now and you just sit back watching like I hate that fucker like just look at him on the ice. Yeah. And then as you get older you start to think that's exactly what people said about me when I was on the ice wherever I played and it's like they probably say perfect that fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Well, well, let's get so, into maybe some of these guys that would have said that. Because, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. Well, because going through, um, you know, at that time, uh, the BC League, there was some, there was some, there was some tough cats skating around there in that league. And uh, well, we'll start on your own team first. I mean, as you said, uh, Adam Reed and you had Jordan Emerson, of course, uh, brother of Riley Emerson, former guest of the show. Yeah. And uh, it, 
you know, we'll we'll start with those two. Um, you know, uh, well then the, the the worst, the biggest one was Kale Thurston. I was, I, that I, guy I, was a monster. Yeah, and like I, I who did he? He fought. Uh, I forget his name for Prince George. He I've never seen it to this day in a fight. He threw body shots and bruised the guy's kidney in a fight. Like the guy was out for, I forget, a couple weeks or a month after he fought Kale Thurston. Like the guy, I remember he punched me with his bare hand and hit me in the helmet and I, I was dazed. Like the guy had cinder blocks for hands. Adam Reed wasn't, he wasn't the biggest guy by any means, but holy shit, was he strong and he did not care. He'd fight anybody, no how. Doesn't, didn't matter how much bigger he was. That or the guy was than Adam. He just, and he'd do anything for the team, you know, get the guys going. Or you know, somebody took a dirty hit. Reader was the first one out to go beat the shit out of the guy. Um, but yeah, we had some. Well, you had to have a guy, couple guys like that because you had T.J. Keg and Duncan Keith, yeah, running around the ice scoring goals. And if anybody touched Dunk, Reader was going to kill him. So, oh yeah, it was. Uh, well, I was going to say, just playing with Duncan Keith, of course, everybody knows that name, went on to have, well, still playing, lengthy NHL career. At that time, he's, <laughs> he's 17 years old, um, 60 games, 82 points with you guys that year. Um, did Could you tell, just by watching them, that, I mean, I mean, everyone said, oh, they're great, they're going to go to the NHL, but could you tell with him that yeah. he had that something different, he was just different than everybody? Well, the first training camp, when, I, when we first went out there, I forget who it was on the bench. One of the vets said, go and try and hit Dunk when he goes back for the puck in the inter-squad game. Like the, the guy's skating ability was unbelievable. Even at that time, like he was so quick. Like you thought you had him lined up, and all of a sudden you're hitting the boards, and he's halfway up the ice, and you're like, well, where the fuck did he go? Like he was just... And he had the work ethic, and he just had that chip on his shoulder. Like, he was going to do whatever it took to make it to the NHL. Like, that's that was his goal. And, you know, any hockey player, you'd be lying if you said that wasn't the end game. You wanted to play in the NHL. And it just, everything about him, like I said, he was, uh, the biggest thing was just skating. And, you know, he might be slowing down now, finally, what do we, cause he's a year younger than I am. We're both pushing, you know, getting up there close to 40 and he's still like his feet have, he hasn't lost much of his feet anymore. Like he's still, he's got that first couple steps and, you know, he can get up to his top speed. And that was the biggest, like that's, and that's what, you know, because at that time in Penticton, he wasn't overly thick. Like I think he only weighed a buck 55. And like, if he had some of these 20 year olds, take a run at him like he was they couldn't catch him they couldn't get near him like i said he'd go back for a puck and he and guys would think they'd have him lined up and the next thing you know dunk would stop on a dime take two strides the other way and he was gone yeah uh, here. okay we're back at her here uh sorry i was having condo problems here we got the maintenance crew out here picking up leaves hopefully you guys aren't hearing about the uh lawnmowers in the background but uh yeah well like you were saying with duncan keith i mean yeah like as you as you sit at home and and, and you're watching t are you just still amazed he's playing like 
His durabil- oh, yeah. like, durability is unbelievable. Well, that, that, that's always the thing with Duncan. Like, it was impossible for him to put on weight. Like, as hard as he worked out, like, especially in Penticton that first year, you know, we all worked out this and that. And at that age, it was hard to put on weight. But for his side, like, he was a couple inches taller than I was or am. And, you know, he was so, you know, thin. Like, you're thinking, like, uh, he gets hit hard enough. Fuck gonna break something but like i said you had to catch him or line him up to actually even get close to him so i think that i don't know if he understood that and that's why he could he skated the way he could and but yeah no he's it, it's been fun watching you know and i'll say that watching him and jonathan taze beat philadelphia because i'm a flyer fan in 2010 in the Stanley Cup final, that's the only thing that took the sting out of it was watching <laughs> Duncan and Johnny raise the cup. Because if there wasn't anybody else, if there wasn't anybody I knew on the Blackhawks, I would have been a lot more pissed off that Philly lost that Stanley Cup final. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, what it's that, uh, yeah, Wild Taze, yeah, we'll get into Jonathan here in a bit, but uh, yeah, oh, oh, the Flyer fan. <clears throat> that, that's been yeah. hard, hard times lately, <laughs> yeah. But, um, well, yeah, just uh, kind of just going through the league at that time. I mean, um, you know, of course, you're in the interior division playing with the Panthers. I mean, you have Merritt, Prince George, Quinnell, Vernon, and Trail. But, um, you know, just kind of looking at the teams there, I mean, you know, Merritt, uh, I, I mean, in terms of um, uh, in, in toughness, I mean, you know, they um, for some of the listeners out there, you'll know uh, uh, Corey Grabowski, who played in, uh, you know, has played in the Southern Pro League. Um, you know, as yeah. kind of, as a tough guy, and then of course Prince George had uh, Adam Knight, and uh, and then Rod Rod Pelly played for New Jersey. I mean, he was there in Prince George as a sixteen year old, and uh, one of the characters that's it was in Quinnell. That did you ever have any run ins with Tidbull? Actually, that's funny because him and I were uh, good buddies because we were line mates uh, with the Saskatoon Contacts. Okay, so I never. I never never had to fight him because <laughs> we were too good of buddies. But there was a – I forget who – there was somebody from Quinnell I fought a few times. He was a – I think he was a first year in the league like I was. And I can't remember his name, but I remember I fought him once in front of my mom. And dad, mom and dad had, dad had never seen me fight, and he's hearing all this about me fighting in BC and blah, blah, blah. So we go to a – breakfast before a playoff game with mom and dad and i dad like you're gonna fight tonight i said well do you want me to he's like yeah i haven't seen you fight in person mom's hitting him shut up don't (laughs) he doesn't have to fight well three i think it was about halfway through the first period this I, i can't remember his name we square off and i got a couple good punches in and just blew his nose up and he's hiding his trying to hide his face in my sleeve. My, I got blood all over my white jersey, and I guess Dad was going nuts in the stands. And <laughs> he, was, he, he couldn't believe it. He was happy as hell. But the funny one is with Troy, Trail, uh, they had a guy, Brock Johnson. I yep. think him and I fought my first year six times. And then it's so funny because then the next year we traded and ended up he was on our team in my second year in Penticton. And I guess one of the fights, I broke his nose. And, and I, I don't think it was the same fight. 
he knocked out, like he broke one of my front teeth at the root crack, so it abscessed. And I ended up having to get it pulled and everything way down the road. But he'd always give me shit, like, you know, if he got a face wash or something or popped in the nose, he'd be like, fuck you, perfect, you broke my nose, and it still hasn't felt the same. (laughs) Well, you knocked my my teeth out, you prick. (laughs) Yeah, well, well, on Vernon, I know one of that that video's out there, you fought Jason Williamson. That was a good fight. Yeah, I don't know why he, like, I think that was from my second year even. Or no, was I? But yeah, I have no idea why he wanted to fight me so bad. But, yeah, and that one, because he was so much bigger and stronger, like, I, that one was a survival mode fight. Like, I, you know, get my shots in when I can, but mostly don't, because he used to fight, like, he he's the one, like, Kale Thurston and, you know, Reed, the, our heavyweights at the time, they fought him. Like, I'm six foot, barely 175 pounds. I have no business fighting you, but if you want to kill me that bad, I'll go with you, so... We'll see see how it goes, but yeah, he well Henderson from Chilliwack was probably the worst beating I think I've ever taken. Well, speak that, like yeah, he was. Well, not Chilliwack team. I mean, man, I mean, you had Churchman and Tyson Terry and Strohshine and Dan Mahi and Henderson, and I mean that that couldn't have been a good night rolling into Chilliwack. Well, no, yeah, they had two lines that would score. And then the other two lines that beat the shit out of you and same with their defensemen. They had, they'd have three defensemen that were top notch. And the other three were big guys that if you went in the corner, if you didn't get your stick and elbows up, you were going to get hurt. Like they were, they were nuts. Like just the way they were built, like their first line, my first year, that was Gabe Gauthier, Jeff Tambellini and Ryan Vandergulik. I think they, I think Goche was the lowest scorer on that line, and he had 99 points. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. They, they were tough to play against. Thank God we only had to play them twice a year. Yeah, well, and that whole, like, even, um, yeah, like, even looking at that, you know, with, well, in that division of Burnaby, of course, the other the other Emerson's over there, and, uh, you know, and then Surrey's got, um, actually, uh, do you ever have any run-ins with Nathan Ostrick? Um... I think, yeah, him and I fought once. Like, we were actually buddies. He was part of that crew that we were all 80, uh, 82 birth year. And he went to Surrey the first year that we all, like, I think he was part of that group that we all played AAA midget against each other and then all ended up playing BCJ. But I yeah. did, I fought him. It was the second, my second year there, we were, he was the captain of Surrey. I was the captain of Penticton. And I crushed somebody. I think a winger got a suicide pass in their own zone, and I just steamrolled them. And this is after Oystrick and I. So we we were buddy. We got to be buddies from the All Star game. And do you remember the old Viking Cup tournament they used to have in Camrose? Yeah, absolutely. We played together on that team, so we got to know each other through that a lot better. Well, I crushed this kid, and Oist Oisty goes, "Well, perps, we got to go now." And he he was a tough fight. Like he was strong, and uh, yeah. And I wasn't even in the mood to fight. I'm like, well, fuck. So, I you know I did what I could. I threw a couple punches, and I think he got the takedown. And you know we skated to the penalty box, giggling and laughing, and you know shit happens. But you know I knew 
he was coming after me after the hit because you know him being a captain of his team. I'm like, well, I know it's coming. Let's get it over with. <laughs> yeah, so. no, yeah, absolutely. Well, and then of course, then the other team out there, Langley, of course, with you know uh, Justin Osichuk and Olenek and Brent Henley and that mainland had some tough dudes, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Because I know, I think Olenek. He actually came to camp in Penticton because I think he played in Penticton the year before I got there. And then I think he actually got cut or no, I think he got traded to Langley from Penticton. But yeah, he fought, I think he fought in training camp a couple. Yeah, he was strong dude, like good hockey player too. Like had some pretty good hands, but yeah, he, he could fight too. Never had any run-ins. Actually, Langley, we never really had any real rough games with it was usually either Chilliwack. Well, Merritt was a gong show 90% of the time I was over there. Um, we had a couple, we had one big line brawl with Merritt. Um, I forget why it even happened. Um, we, we, we line up for the opening face off. So I played with Rory McMahon, TJ Kig. We were the first line, uh, Duncan Keith and Adam reader on defense. And we look over at their lineup, their starting lineup, and they've only got one first line guy out there. Uh, I forget his name. One of the wingers. He lined up on Rory's side, and I'm looking around too. Like they had three defensemen out, all their tough guys. And as soon as the pucks drop, I get cross-checked in the throat by this little French fucker, and. Duncan Keith and TJ Keg skate to the bench. Kale Thurston jumps the bench, grabs somebody and just beats the ever living shit out of him. I remember being the, the guy I was fighting had me pinned up against the penalty box, but I had my back. So I had the, the better footing and I just started teeing off on him. And I look over and Adam Reed, I forget who it was, was throwing a punch and then grabbing him, the guy by the shoulders and banging his head off the wall, hitting him. You want to fuck with us? This is what happens. And I've never seen anything like it. It was wild. Then we get into the penalty box and it's merit fans are all over us. And it's still one of the funniest one-liners I think I've ever heard. There's, you know, TJ, me, Adam Reed, Kale Thurston, we're all, or Kale probably got booted because he jumped the bench. We're sitting in the penalty box, and TJ is not like he has a few learning disabilities, so he's not, you know, school smart's not the brightest guy. So they're every that was the big joke. So the merit guys yelling across the timekeepers, "Hey TJ, what's two plus two? What's four plus four? And out of the blue, TJ goes, "What's forty five times two? And they all kind of ninety. I said, "That's how many points I have. How many do you guys have? You fucking plugs." <laughs> And our our side of the penalty box is just erupts. Like we didn't know TJ could do math like that, first of all, but we just fucking dying laughing. The guy, the merit guys didn't know what to say. Like their faces just dropped that. He just said that. I was just like, Holy shit. This is hilarious. But yeah, merit was. And then another time against merit, TJ called his own shot. So we're lined up in their zone. I think we were even down a goal. TJK goes to their center and he goes, I'm going to put this through your legs and I'm going to go in and shelf a backhand. 
Rory and I look across at each other as wingers. We're like, oh, God, if he does this, this is going to start a brawl. Sure as shit, if he doesn't do this, he pokes it through the centerman's legs, goes around the centerman, goes in, shelves the backhand, ties the game. DJ turns around with the biggest shit-eating grin on his face, celebrating, looking at uh, their whole... Anybody, everybody that they had on the ice is trying to kill them. Rory and I are trying to, you know, celebrate with TJ and get the other Merrick guys out of there. And oh god, it was hilarious. We had some battles with that team. Holy shit! That's tremendous. And uh, for anybody, what? Yeah, TJ Cave. Yeah, a lot of points, man, in the in the in the BC League. And of course, he went on to uh, Minnesota Duluth for a couple of years, and then went over to the overseas and had a hell of a career. Um, but yeah, he was a hell of a player in the BC league for sure. Oh, and, and he could fight. That was the scary thing is like, he was built like a fridge and if he, you had to really piss him off to drop the gloves. But when he did, like, I remember he fought the first time I had ever seen him fight. He, I forget who he beat the hell out of. And you know, he's got his hair, long hair. So it's always all over the place. And just that stupid grin he gets on his face. It was funny, but yeah. If, if he had to, he could def- he, like he could defend himself. Like he he had some pretty good scraps while we were over there. Well, and it um, yeah, actually it's funny. I think actually one of those Penticton merit brawls. I think I have on my YouTube channel. It's pretty wild. Yeah, but um, well, the the following year you go back to Penticton, and uh, yeah, you have a big year. I mean, you have you know point a game. They have two hundred thirty nine penalty minutes. Um, were you getting pretty comfortable in terms of the physical game? Like, well, I guess you were saying you're always sort of physical, but in terms of the, you know, the actual fighting and everything, was it getting? I, well, I guess, for lack of a better term, is it was it getting easier for you at this point? Yeah, like I, I, I want to say I fought close. You know, that twenty, twenty to twenty five times a year, my two years in the BCJ, and. Yeah, like my fr- the biggest thing at first was that you know I I always when I fought you know the couple times in Weyburn you know junior A camps when I was younger I'd throw right handed and the biggest thing that helped me was being able to throw both so you know if a guy ties your right up and they're not worrying about your left just you know give a quick grab and they're not going to expect the left so that kind of you know once I kind of got good at that that made it a little easier and then I remember I forget I think it might have even been Bryant our coach he said never put your head down he said you know maybe tuck your chin but keep your head up because as soon as you put your head down you know your weight's going to go forward it's hard it's easier to lose your balance so that's why a lot of the fight I try I've always tried to keep my head up like I said you know you you get hit the odd time shit happens you know it's only going to hurt for a little while but um, but yeah, it was starting to get, and you know, my, my billet family at the time, you know, the, the running joke was, you know, you'd probably have a few more points if you wouldn't spend so much time in the penalty box. I said, well, yeah, I know, but there's, you know, shit happens and well, sometimes I just have to, <laughs> well, that, that was going to be my, that's funny. That was going to be my my question. Um, you know, as, as you're, you know, 33 goals and that type of thing, um, you know, and, and as you said, sort of the end goal was the scholarship. Um, did anybody ever tell you to kind of maybe tame it down a little bit and try scoring a little more? Like, did any of the schools ever tell you that? Or at that point, you're nah. just, you know, that's just how you did it? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, no, I never really, 
I never was really told to tone it down probably till I got to college. And then oh. with Dean Blaze, I got a story about that when we get to there. But yeah. um, no, really, like, and my second year, I had talked to a few schools. I think Quinnipiac, Cornell were the two main ones that I had been talking to. Um, and really, North Dakota wasn't even an option until, uh, like, they had new, like, I know, because they recruited my buddy Rory. Like I said, Rory, we played AAA Midget and then out in Penticton in for a year and then he went to North Dakota I went back to Penticton and so they had seen me play and so I was I guess I would say I was somewhat on their radar but I had never spoken to him yet and uh, I think it was Ryan Beta Saskatoon boy yep. and actually I played AAA midget with Trevor his brother so I knew the family knew Ryan so we uh I think he had signed with Carolina a year early. So they had a spot open up late and, you know, we had a pretty deep run in BC. We went, uh, well, I think, yeah, we lost in the interior conference final in seven games and I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure in North Dakota, well, whether it was Hackstall or Brad Barry had come out and watched. And so, yeah, it was actually getting my scholarship there actually happened quite late in the season. Like my 20, my 19 year old year, it didn't, I didn't start talking to them until after we got beat out in mid April and then went down there for a visit and said, yes. <laughs> well, I was going to say pretty close okay, to home. Okay, okay. Close to home too. Yeah, that's, but as, as soon as you walk into that rink and you see the facilities, it's, as a, on the hockey side of it, it was just, it was a no brainer. Like I was kind of looking for like my ideal school. Cause I wanted to do an engine and take an engineering degree. Um, so I, you know, like Cornell interested me. Um, actually RPI would have been one for school. And then, but then, you know, North Dakota has got an engineering program and they've got the nicest college hockey rink in the country. Like it was kind of a no brainer to, to say yes there. Yep. Well, before we get there, a couple teammates I want to ask you about before we leave Penticton. Um, of course, uh, this year, 0102, um, the now, what is it? I, I believe he's the assistant coach of the Leafs. Uh, Spencer Carvery shows up on the scene uh, and leads your team in scoring. Um, what are your memories of Spencer? Oh, him and I were line mates. He was a, he was a centerman. I was I played left wing. So I, Carbs, awesome guy, um, absolutely hilarious. Like, um, who were we? We were playing. Oh, Burnaby. We were just shit kicking him. I think. I think him and I both had hat tricks. I think I forget who scores, and they and Burnaby guys are all over. They're trying to fight everybody on the ice and carbs ends up fighting somebody. And I end up going after, I, I don't know who it was, but they went after Mike card. He was 15 at the time. And I know, well, no, no. So I end up fighting this guy, so, taking him away. So he's not going to try and beat up our 15 year old on our team. 
So we get to the penalty box. It was whether it was in the penalty box or in the dressing room after the game. Carberry is just losing his mind. I didn't want a fucking fight. Why couldn't they just left me alone? I scored my goal. I was done. Like, leave me the fuck alone. He just lo- And we're sitting in the dressing room just dying laughing because he got, he, got, he was so mad that he had to fight. Because it was, just, you know, they were shit kicking him anyway. And they just, like, and I was just like, he would not drop his gloves till the better end either. Like he wasn't going to fight. And actually carbs, he was like, TJ, he could, if you pushed him far enough and like carbs is a strong guy. Like he, he did well too. Like I seen, I saw him fight a few times and he did really well, beat up a few people, but he didn't want to fight very often. That's for sure. But yeah, carbs is an awesome guy. We, you know, I haven't talked to him in years, but I know because he went to Anchorage. We hung out like when we were both in college, hung out together and shit like that. But no, it, it's awesome seeing how well he's doing. And actually, there's another uh, Patrick Weller, him and Carbs, yep. I think, coached Hershey together. Yeah. Or the, I haven't looked this year, but yeah, they're, so yeah. And I think uh, Patrick's brother, Chris, who's my age, has met Carbs going, you know, going down to visit. Uh, Patty, but yeah, no, Car- Carbs is an awesome guy. I love playing with him. And that's what I mean, too. Like, he can, if he had to, you know, shit went sideways on the ice, he'd have your back. And were, were you know, you, Are you surprised by, the, by his coaching success? Did he strike you as a coaching type? Back then, I wouldn't have said, I would have said no. He, he, di- he didn't strike me as a coaching type, but he loved hockey, so it's not surprising. Like, he loved being around the game, you know. And, and stuff like that. I said, it's been so long. It's hard to, you know, think about now that we were Penticton. That was 20 years ago. Like, yeah. holy shit. But yeah, no, it's, like I said, it's awesome to see how well he's doing. And I know there's a few other people I talked to that played for Carbs when he actually started coaching South Carolina and said they loved him as a coach. Yep. But no, it's awesome to see him doing as well as he is in his coaching career. No, absolutely. And, uh, well, in another future NHLer that you played with, um, well, you're saying you're both in Weyburn and you got cut was uh, Tanner Glass. Um, were you? Um, it, it's, it's actually interesting when you look. It was sort of like I guess he was sort of a late bloomer. I guess you could say. Were you? Uh, were you surprised with uh, with Tanner Glass? I don't want to say sound like like a, you know, but were you surprised at the NHL career that he had? No, not at all. No, like he's a hell, he was a hell of a player. No, yeah. he was. Um, like I said because he came to Penticton my second year, and basically, it got to the point where, he, and he he fought some guys that I didn't want to. And I, there was one guy had a salmon arm, bigger than us, and just he beat Tanner beat the shit out of him. I think two or three times. Oh, Carpaccio, like, good because I didn't. Yes. Yeah. I know they had a. I know there was one time Tanner got him good. Um, they had a couple like and Charpancha. He was big too. Yeah, like, six five, two twenty. He's listed at. Him. Yeah, yeah. He and T- Tanner went toe to toe with him. I I want to say two or three times, and I know the one time Charpancha was bleeding after one of the fights. Like Tanner got the better of him on that one. But yeah, no, no, Tanner. Like it's funny. I we you know we got to know each other from you know going to Weyburn camps and I know our both our dads knew each other from summer hockey and fast first stuff that they all did together and uh and that's the funny thing about 
you know, Saskatchewan is the hockey world is so goddamn small. Yep. Everybody like, but yeah, so I, when Tanner came out, we played together off and on. We, uh, we were, we penalty killed together and, you know, it was, it was awesome seeing him go as far as he did and, you know, playing at Dartmouth and, and stuff like that. So no, it's, it's fun sitting back, you know, watching the guys, play and play with and you know you know exactly what's going through their heads half the time because it's the same shit that you know is going through their heads when you're playing with them so but yeah no it was awesome to see Tanner you know you always love when a Sask boy goes far like that too absolutely yeah absolutely um well yeah and even uh for those Tanner yeah speaking of the BC fights I have a really good fight with him and John Morasti when Morasti's briefly in the BC league him and Tanner have a hell of a tilt. It's on my YouTube channel. Go check it out. Um, but yeah, I was always a big fan of Tanner Glass. So, um, well, yeah. So, uh, well, you end the year. You had a hell, like you said, you had a hell of a year, point of game. Um, I believe if I read that correctly, you were the interior, the MVP of the interior. Is that correct? Did I get that right? Yes, it is. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who was, I think Jeff Tambellini was the coastal conference MVP with like 120 points and here's me taking the interior conference MVP with 56. <laughs> yeah, you had 239 minutes. No, no, so you, had, was, you had to do it on a shorter amount of ice time. Yeah, That's true. Yeah, so my points per minute was maybe a bit higher. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. But no, that, yeah, that was that was pretty wild. I'd never thought in a million years that I was going to win something like that when I was playing. You know, I just Went out and did like I did what I always do, and to be recognized like that was was pretty awesome. Well, here you go. You, you get the scholarship, like you said. You go to North Dakota and the, the um, Fighting Sioux, and uh, I mean a huge, you know, the history there and the alumni, and I mean even just going through the rosters when you were there with the guys that you played with is unbelievable. But uh, when you first get there, you're a freshman. You play forty games. I mean. Uh, and you, you you talked about Dean Blass. Uh, what was it like playing for like a legendary coach like that right off the go? He scared the shit out of you. Like he he just had this look. Like if you did something wrong, he might just squeeze your neck and your head might pop off. Like he just he was. I don't know. At first, so at first I get there and you know I I'm running my mouth and you know trying to fuck with people on the ice, get in their heads. And, you know, just basically like I played in BC, like obviously there's not hardly any fighting, if any, in college hockey. So the first couple of times I'm yipping at somebody from the bench and whatever, and Blaze would grab me by the back of the jersey, perp, shut up, like give it a rest already. And I'm like, okay, and you know, it didn't really sink in. So I'd be still running my mouth. Finally, I think it was, just before Christmas or, you know, month and a half into the season, Blaze looks at me, grabs me the usual to tell me to shut up. And instead he looks at me, he's like, as long as you know what you're doing, keep fucking doing it. I'm like, okay, perfect. So that's when he kind of figured out that, you know, I, I may see red every once in a while, you know, cross line, take a bad penalty, but I always tried my best to, you know, walk that line without, you know, or if I was going to take a penalty, I was making sure somebody was coming with me because, you know, North 
college hockey and especially North Dakota, you had, I think, five lines, 7D or 8D, three to four goalies. So basically you beat the shit out of each other all week in practice to make the weekend roster. Like that's what some of the vets always said, you know, on my visit and, you know, in training camp or, you know, preseason training and everything that the easiest part of college hockey is the games. Like that's the fun part. The practices are, like I said, that's, you just, you, you, you bust your ass to make, the weekend's roster or keep your place in the weekend in the weekend roster. So, but no playing for Dean. And there was a few times, I think actually, um, so he kind of knew that if he needed something quietly done, he could send me out, you know, maybe send a message or take a run at somebody to kind of smarten them up. And the first time I remember, we were playing Denver in first round of playoffs and we got home ice advantage. Like we had a, we had a great, I think we were ranked first up until Christmas. And then we just had the worst schedule after Christmas. I think we were on the road probably, I think we had two or three home series max second half of the year. Like we'd go to Anchorage come back the next weekend we'd be in Colorado college or, you know, like just the travel got to us and we were playing on the road all the time, but we ended up playing DU and I, I forget, I think it was, I can't remember who he sent me out just to go, you know, try and get a good run, uh, run at him or, you know, maybe a chop or a cross check just to send the message that, you know, yeah, you guys might have won this game, but you still got to beat us two more. And of course I get sent out on a five on three. I haven't been on a five on three penalty kill all year and their captains yipping at me. And so he goes back, defenseman goes back for the puck and I chase him all around the ice trying to, you know, get my stick on him here and there. And he dumps the puck in and then stops at the blue line. Well, I cross check him just under the chin and drop him. We go, I get five in a game suspended for one game. So the pregame skate on Saturday morning before game two, Blaze has got us all huddled up, you know, to talk to us. And he looks at me, he's perp sent you out there to, to do something, but I didn't think you were going to put his head in the fucking upper deck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, he, and it was funny too. There's another time my neck, the second year, Jordy Parisi was our goalie. He gets ran. We're in Michigan Tech, so we're in Houghton, Michigan, and they had John Scott, who was an absolute monster. And I'm calling on their whole bench because they just ran their goal. It's, and it was it didn't really dawn on me at the time. I'm calling out their whole bench for somebody to come out and fight me that I basically forgot that Scott was on their team. And yeah. Scott steps out on the ice, and Blaze looks at me. Yeah, perp, that might not be. You might be out of your weight class on that one. Uh, my roommate Ryan Hill goes out and fights him, and Ryan got the shit end of the stick because the lot, one linesman ties up Ryan, but doesn't tie up John Scott, and John just drills Ryan, splits him open across the cheek, and everything. Like it was wasn't anybody's fault, but I'd call it was the linesman's fault for not either. Like they either had to get in there at the same time or not one guy grab one guy and then yeah. the other guy gets a couple of free shots, like how it turned out. 
and Dean actually texts, or when we get back into the dressing room and he kind of looks at Ryan, he's like, oh, Ryan, sorry for that one. <laughs> but no, he, he was fun. He was fun to play for. I, I really enjoyed but like I said, when you first got there and you, you know, he's got the one, it's not a full gold tooth, but it's, you know, the crown on it. Yep. And he just, he's got that smile or you don't know what he's thinking. And, but no, and as you got older and, you know, got to talk to him and he was really, really nice guy. Awesome coach. Well, you had him for a couple of years and then, well, speaking of the flyers, uh, you know, before that, I mean, you have Dave Haxall as a coach as well. What was he like? He, well, you know, one nice thing is we didn't get anybody new to the program. You know, we've all dealt, we dealt with Hack. Like I'd been with Haxall for two years. Yeah. He was our assistant. Um, he, he tried to rein me in just a that little bit more. Like I know, and there was times, like I said, I, I crossed the line a couple times and, take a bad penalty and we didn't always see eye to eye, but at the end of the day, you know, he was the coach. I knew, you know, you at the time you're young and you get pissed off. Cause I could, my senior year, I know I had my A stripped off cause I took a horrible penalty. Who is it? I just about, I took a run that I got, it was another cross checking, got somebody right under the chin from Wisconsin. It might've been Ryan McMurchie. And, him and I had kind of a history because he played Pat Canadians in Regina AAA, and then he played in Vern in in BC, and I never liked him. And he went to take a run at me, and all I did was with my back against the wall, just placed it per like just got my stick up, and basically, and then I took a five in a game, lost my like got it back eventually. Just you know, it was one of those learning experiences where yeah. I know I took a bad penalty. You know, I got to be better, especially if I'm the assistant captain. But at the time, I was pissed off. You know, I just kind of put my head down and played and ended up, hack, gave it back. But, yeah, like I said, we had our run-ins from time to time, but that's just kind of the way it is sometimes. You know, it's not like I told him to go fuck himself or anything, but, you know, it's just he'd say something to me that I didn't maybe quite agree with at the time. But, you know, like I said... At the end of the day, he's still your coach. You've got to respect what he says. Um, but no, I hack as an X's and O's guy. Like, and we knew that because he, I think he ran the power play, and Brad Barry did our penalty kill. So you know, he, like I said, it, it wasn't always smooth sailing. But any coach, I guess, you know. The heat of the moment of any kind, anybody, you can't say you haven't been pissed off at a coach for something or this or that, but you know, I, I enjoyed having him as a coach, assistant coach, head coach, you know, yeah, it, it, was, it was, it was great there, you know, yeah. nothing but the best there. Well, we'll, uh, let, we'll go over some of the names that I mean, played with a bunch of guys, of course, that have gone on and played in the NHL and, um, you know, from Zach Parisi to Zajac to TJ Oshie and Stafford and Brian Lee and Taylor Chorney and um, Matt Green. I was going to say, you and Matt Green weren't afraid to get some penalties in in college, that's for sure. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. What? Um, do you have any stories of any of those guys? Like, uh, well, I was laughing, Borchinski, I think he's the mayor of, like, Grand Forks now or something, isn't he? 
Yeah, yeah, Bochinski's the mayor I played because he would have he signed a year early. Zach signed up in the NHL after two years, and then Greener played three. Well, Zach, it was funny because you know he was kind of the start of the era of where they would start pulling guys basically right out of high recruiting right out of high school. Um, like I was a 20 year old freshman. My roommate was 21 year old freshman. Even greener had played a year of junior, you know, Zach was right out of high school, you know, kind of green and, you know, the college lifestyle, you know, party and this and that Zach wasn't used to that kind of thing. And we didn't always get him to come out all the time or, but when we did, it was funny because, you know, him, you know, not partying as much because he's just, like I said, he, and he came from Shattuck. So it's not like there's a whole hell of a lot of partying going on at Shattuck St. Mary's. So, yeah, but no, he was, um, but, uh, yeah, Green, Greener and I still talk quite a bit. Um, we're still really good friends. Um, and it's funny because he knows he's, I don't, I forget how close he lives to Jared Stoll down in LA. So, and I know Stoll from, summer hockey and all that playing up here in Saskatchewan. But uh, there's stories, greener stories, but a lot of them I don't think we can get into. (laughs) Um, Him and I actually almost killed each other on the ice. I think it was a pregame skate, and he cross-checked me going to just – we were practicing PP or PK, and I get a cross-check in the kidneys, and I turned around and I fuck you and I two hand him right across the top of the skates and he gives me a shot and I think Brad Barry had to come break us up otherwise we were going to then that's what I mean with the intensity of practice like it was just I know I'm pretty sure I told Zach I think it was I forget scrimmaging I told Zach I was going to kill him if he touched the puck again he just looked at me and laughed and I'm pretty sure he was thinking yeah you got to catch me you prick but uh <laughs> But no, yeah, Greener, uh, Ocean, I, him and I were roommates, just the way it worked, uh, alphabet-wise, P and O. Ocean and I were roommates on the road all the time his freshman year. So I only, and like I said, like, well, Chorney, Lee, I only spent one year with those guys. Um, Ocean was an awesome guy. I still chat with him every once in a while through text. But, uh, um, yeah, like I said, the, the college stories that, you could tell <laughs> it would go on for days, but um, awesome guys, like I said. Anyway, it, it's still wild to think that I, as, you know, you watch these guys in TV playing in the NHL now. It, it's fun watching them, and you know, you cheer, find yourself cheering for them all the time. And but uh, I think the one greener story, like from an actual, like during the game, we were playing in Maine my sophomore year. There was Matt Green, Matt Jones were defensive partners. And we were on a five-on-four penalty kill. So the puck was in one corner. Greener goes after it, hammers the guy, like, you know, passes the puck, but Greener still finishes check. Matt Jones, meanwhile, knocks the guy down in front of the net with a cross-check to the kidneys. Guy gets back up as the puck goes to the opposite corner. So Matt Jones chases him down. Matt Green comes to the front of the net after this guy just gets up from the first cross check. Greener just right in the kidneys too. They did this three times before the referee finally called it. And Jordy Parisi told us after the game, he's never heard somebody make sounds like that 
like it was like somebody was was butchering a pig. Like I guess he was squealing every time the puck would change corners. It was one of those two guys just dropping him in front of the net, and finally they got called on it. But no, practicing against, like I said, that was the big, biggest thing was the practices. It was like you know going one on one drill with Matt Green. He had this move where he could put he wouldn't put it he wouldn't have a stick on the ground or on the ice. He'd hold it, and if you tried going down his right side, he could put it into your stomach and hold you off from going down the wall. And I don't know how, like, and he was so strong. It was either that, or if you cut to the middle, then his D partner, Matt Jones, would come across and try and kill you, which they did that quite a few times. Guys were scared to go wide on Matt Green, so they tried to go to the middle. Well, Matt Jones, who isn't a small guy by any means, he'd come across and just clean your clock. And yeah, those guys playing with guys like that, you just, the sounds that you hear guys make when they get hit by him was quite comical actually. Yeah. Well, and, uh, well, then in your final year, I think you got, you guys, uh, make the, the frozen four and, um, well, first of all, in your last year, obviously, uh, oh, that's what Taze shows up as well. Um, yeah. What, what was the, just the, the whole Frozen Four playing in that atmosphere like and uh, sort of that big state, the biggest stage for college hockey? Well, the, we actually made it two years, my last two years. The first year was the wildest. Um, it would have been my junior year. We went to the Frozen Four was in Columbus during the NHL lockout year. So the whole NCAA tournament was televised by ESPN at the time. Um, so we go to we go to Columbus and it was pretty cool because every team that made the frozen four that year was from the WCHA, our conference. Yeah. And the NCAA hated that. So basically now when they do the tournament, they never make it. So one conference can, cause we could have damn, damn near done it every year. Like the WCHA conference was unbelievable. Like it was, everything was so, everybody was so, you know, the competition was amazing. Like, you see it now still in that NCHC where some of those WCHA teams from when I played made when they started that conference. And it's just, um, a hell of, but so we go to Columbus and we end up playing Minnesota in the semifinal. Who's our biggest rival university of Minnesota, the Gophers, Denver, DU and, and Colorado college who are obviously huge rivals. Cause they're only what an hour and a half, two hours apart. So they're in the other semifinal. You know, we beat Minnesota, thank God, and we end up playing DU in the final. But I remember it was, it was pretty wild because every time, you know, going to the rink, we were getting a police escort for the games. So we're, you know, all the way to campus. I, we stayed, I think, downtown or not far. We'd get a police escort, the bus. They'd escort the bus. And um, I remember we were watching uh, – I think it was Minnesota. The first day we were there, Minnesota was practicing after us. So we're sitting there waiting for everybody to get out of the dressing room. And here over walks Bill Clement, Aaron Andrews, and Darren Pang. And so they come over and they start, you know, shooting the shit with us. And I think, I forget who brought it up. And it was pretty cool for me, for meeting Bill Clement, because I was a Flyers fan. And I remember listening to him and Doc Emmerich 
do flyer games. So it was, so I introduced myself to Bill Clement and he shake his hands were huge. And then he's got his big, uh, stamp flyer, Stanley cup ring on. So I, you know, chatted with him, but Darren and Aaron, Darren Pang and Aaron Andrews kept making fun of him for his, uh, they call it his porn stash, Bill Clement's mustache. Yeah. And so, but they were all like, they, it was so awesome. You know, you, you're sitting there and all of a sudden you're talking to three people you see on TV all the time. McPanger was, was fun to talk to. And so because they're making fun of Bill Clement's mustache being a porn stash here and that, as they're walking away, Darren puts his arm around Bill and he says it just loud enough. Well, Bill, let's go make a porno. And just they walk away, and we're our whole team is just dying laughing. And like it was, but yeah, the Frozen Four was wild. Like it's obviously not as big on a, a college event as you know the bowl games or March Madness, but it's it's pretty cool, you know, being on TV like that. And you know, it sucks, especially the first. The first year when we lost to Denver in the national championship game there, that was hard because we had two, they had two goals bounce in. One went off one of our defensemen's ass and goes bar down. It would have missed the net by like five feet, just a shitty deflection. Um, Zajac actually to this day, if there would have been video review, we still think that uh, Menino, there was a, one of Zajac's shot, it was a quick play from behind the net to the front. The goalie, when he caught it, we still, like, Zajac and I think Stafford still swear he caught it behind the post, like over the goal line. But because no video review and referee wasn't in the greatest position, couldn't see it. And I think that would have actually given us the lead or tied the game in the first period. But after a couple of shitty bounces, we just ended up chasing the game and couldn't get it done. And, I think that yeah that was D that was Denver's second that was their back to back and then the next year we lost to Boston College which that game there was some that was a shootout the either goalie was was having a rough go the defense was was optional cuz I think the final was 6-5 in a national semifinal um but even that game we made it I think we made it a one goal game with less than a minute left and just couldn't I think we might even hit the post and to tie it, but then Wisconsin beat BC in the final. But even then, you look at, like, Boston College had uh, Corey Schneider in that. Wisconsin had uh, Brian Elliott. Uh, who else did they have on their team? Like, I think Pavelski would have been on that team. Robbie Earl. Uh, I forget who else, but, you know, that's the thing. That whole conference was just loaded, the WCHA. Anywhere you look in the NHL, there was a WCHA alum from yeah. whether it was Denver, Colorado College, Minnesota. So, but yeah, it was it was a fun conference to play in. Uh, what was your overall uh, just you, you, the student life and student athlete life? Uh, how tough was it, and, um, and 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 how was it adjusting to the the college game? Because I mean it. Uh, you know, it's always been said, right? You go from junior with the half visors and yeah. and the fighting and everything, till now all of a sudden it's full cage and no fights. Well, seldom fights. Yeah, and ev- and everyone kind of plays hero. Um, you know, um, what? What? Well, I'll ask this question. I've asked a bunch of people. Wh- which uh, which brand of hockey is dirtier, college or junior? 
Well, to answer that, college is way dirtier than junior hockey. Um, and it's so funny because my freshman year, we're playing, the, or sophomore year, playing the Gophers in North Dakota, and there's a couple scrums and this and that, and I might have, I forget what I said, but Troy Riddle from Minnesota looks at me and he goes, Perp, it's college hockey. Everybody wears a mask and they're the toughest guys on the ice. Didn't you know that? Yeah. <laughs> but I, there's, there's so much more shit, like just chippiness that goes on. I think like, well, not so much now, like you know, it's hard because we don't get to watch as much college hockey up here, which still boggles my mind when you have so many Canadian kids going down there, but TSN or Sportsnet will play on their they've got five channels but they've got the same thing on three out of the five like yeah that shit just boggles my mind but it's it, back then like the college game was basically what i that i noticed you know it was just run and gun as fast do everything as fast as you can as quick as you can because even when you like coming from junior even going to pro Pro actually seemed easier to play than college hockey. You know, pro was more structured. College hockey at the time, just run and gun, you know, do everything fast, fast, fast. Whereas when you got to pro, everything was more calculated, you know, positional. Not to say college hockey wasn't positional, but but as far as chippiness and dirty, like the shit you could the stuff I got away with that the refs didn't see half the time, um, I would have been suspended all the time at this day and age if I played now. But it was, you know, it doesn't have the same effect, you know, when you're wearing a cage that, you know, you drill somebody, you, you learn where to hit somebody to make them hurt. You know, a good shot under the chin instead of a straight shot, you know, when somebody's wearing a visor, a straight shot to the nose or the you know, try and ram that visor back in their face. Whereas college hockey, but, and I don't know if that was, you know, where you get some of the age difference too. Like you got some kids coming right out of high school hockey and some guys that are, have been played junior for two or three years. And, you know, but I would say without the fighting college hockey seemed to be, it was, uh, I know it was chippier because one of my only fight in college hockey might've been, the chippiest game, like every, every whistle, there was a scrum, you know, guys are two hand in each other. Like there was just no, you didn't have to answer for anything. Yeah. You had a mask on. Well, actually, I think that, I think think that college fight, yeah, that fights on YouTube. That's a good fight. You guys take the helmets off and that was a good one. Yeah. And and like I said, it was first game of the year. I think it was the, the, like they do a hall of fame game. USA Hockey Hall of Fame game, different colleges, and our, it was at our place that year. And and yeah, like I said, just everywhere, and it was Duluth. We had a big rivalry with Duluth at the time, and and all we're in a scrum, and all of a sudden I get, I forget if I got, he pulled my mask or whatever, and he goes, "Let's go." I said, Are "You shit me." Nobody's asked me to fight in college hockey yet, so I wasn't sure if he was bluffing. And he's like, no, let's go. So we back off and I'm waiting. I'm, I grab my helmet. Like I'm going to take it off, but I want to see if he's actually serious first. And I see his straps start coming off. I'm like, okay, fuck it. Let's do this. And of course it happened. It has to be in North Dakota. So there's 12,000 people just losing their shit 
as soon as both our helmets come off. Like it's loud in there. And I'll never forget. He slicks his hair back. Yeah. I'm going to kick the shit out of you. His exact words. I'm like, okay, see how this goes. And it's, it, it, it's one of the, my favorite fights I've ever been in. Like it just, I connected with punches. I think he might've hit me a couple times, but, and then the shitty thing is there was no tie downs on the Jersey, but it actually worked out for me. Cause I had a whole elbow pad and everything come right out of my Jersey as I switched to my left hand. And you know, the, the ovation the crowd gave as we skated off. Oh, it was, and I think I might have said as he was on the ice, yeah, you didn't quite kick the shit out of me now, did you? And I skated and dropped them and skated away. But yeah, that, that one was, that hero, was wild. Like hero, playing playing hero in North Dakota. Was, <laughs> <laughs> playing at North Dakota was like, you know, the crowd, but a fight, like when oh. shit started to go sideways, like we had a few other times that guys fought, that place just, the roof come off it. It was, it was nuts. Who says they don't like fighting, right? Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so you wrap up four years at North Dakota. I'm assuming you got your engineering degree, correct? Uh, Not quite. Not quite? (laughs) We won't won't talk about that. No, I kind of had to switch. The the engineering started to clash with hockey. There were some some classes were only offered at a certain time that, and it was one of the major ones my second year that I needed to keep going with engineering and it just didn't work out. So I kind of switched over to a different major and it, you know, I never did end up finishing my degree. So that's just the way that worked out. Wow. Life goes on. That's all right. You still got four years stories (laughs) at North North Dakota. Um, Well, actually at the end of that year, Oh five, Oh six, you end up playing two games with the Iowa stars in the American league. Um, had you had any talks with any NHL teams or American league teams, uh, leading up to that at any of those years in North Dakota and, 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 um, and how did you end up in Iowa? Um, well, it was the end of the year and, you know, cause I think, well, Zajac obviously, cause he was drafted. So he was the only other one that was going to go for sure. And I thought maybe, well, who knows? Let's see what happens. And I had a advisor who was actually um a friend of mine he was well he was a north dakota alum he was uh technically my advisor because he you know they can't be agents when you're according to ncaa so Uh i never signed anything but he was and he had told me there was interest actually i think at that time originally boston might have been interested because they weren't sure about jeremy reach staying there um something along those lines and they were maybe interested in me playing in the American league there. And then, so I think a week goes on after my college career ends. So you know what that turns into. It's a gigantic piss up because you can't really do much, you know, all season. And then, um, and that being my last year. So about six, seven days go by and I'm thinking, starting to think, okay, nothing's going to happen at the end of this year. That's fine. And then I think I was just, it was a Friday night and I was Friday or Thursday, just getting ready to go out one night with the boys. And because, and my buddy calls me or my advisor, agent, whatever you want to call him at the time calls me. He's like, yeah, do you want to go to Iowa and play with the stars for the end of the regular season? I said, 
sure when. He's like, well, they, they play, I think it was the last two regular season games. It was Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday. I forget how it worked out. Um, I get on a flight the next day. Uh, that was wild because I went from, so you go from visor to cage yeah. to nothing. And I didn't wear a visor, didn't wear anything. And playing my first pro game without anything on like that. And I think we played, I can't remember who we played. I know we played, it must have been Peoria the second night. And I can't remember, I can't think off the top of my head who we played the first night. And there was already a couple guys I knew there. Well, um, Chris Connor that played at Michigan Tech, who was their big-time goal scorer, he had, he had been in Iowa because we were both the same class because they didn't make playoffs. He signed down with Iowa early, so he had been there for like the last month or you know two or three weeks of the regular season. So I kind of knew him, you know, from just playing against him for four years. Um, trying to think who else it was at the time. Green. Well, that was when Iowa was uh Edmonton's farm team so Greener had been there off and on yeah because that would have been his first year pro um but no yeah I get there and that was an eye-opener because actually that was the first time you see that you know pro hockey is a little it's not as fast-paced as college seem it was just a lot more like I said structured and there was a little more thinking behind it and of course, my big mouth almost got me in trouble those two games because we played against Sean Thornton and Rocky Thompson in Peoria, <laughs> and I that was nuts because Rocky. I, all I did was go to the net after a point shot, or I was standing in front of the net, and Rocky Thompson cross checks me across the fucking back. This is my crease. Get the fuck out of here. So what do you mean? I'm just standing here. It's not like I came in here and stuck your fucking goalie. So I started kind of getting into his face and. Um, I can't think of his name right now that was in Iowa at the time. He was their fight, one of their big fighters. He played, ended up playing for Dallas for a bit. Oh, Crombie? He actually played with No, not Crombie, the other Oh, Barch, Chris Barch? Yes, Chris Barch. I watched Chris Barch fight Rocky Thompson and Sean Thornton in the same game after that. Because we get back to the bench and Barch, he looks at me, he's like, Perp, you don't want Rocky Thompson to be your first pro fight. And so couple shifts later, Rocky's coming around behind his net with the puck and Barch absolutely lays him out. Rocky gets up, they go toe-to-toe, and I think third period, Barch fights, I'm pretty sure it was Sean Thornton at the time, fights him too, and I'm just like, holy shit, what am I getting myself into? i got to watch what I say now. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And even then, that, there was some fun guy like Mike Smith was on that team Louis Erickson um, Mike Smith I've never seen a goalie handle the puck like that that he it was insane so I played two games and then I went to we went to Milwaukee for the first round of playoffs but I kind of got I was low man on the totem pole because Idaho Iowa's farm team got beat out of playoffs so they pulled up some guys from there so I never did uh, play a playoff game with Iowa but I watched the first two first two games of the first round and it was kind of salt in the wound because I just ended my college career in Milwaukee and that's where I got to watch two yeah. pro games I had to go back I had basically going back to the 
scene of the crime, like, God damn it. I just was here two weeks ago and I just ended my college career. So no, I, but yeah, Mike Smith, like it was wild. The puck would go back. Mike would be basically Mike goes behind the net, gets it. And the D men don't even go near Mike. They go right to the corner of the half wall. And you still see it today in Edmonton. And he will rifle sauce passes to everybody. Like I've never in practice, he could shoot from the goal line or his net and put the puck over the glass at the far end. Jesus. It was like, just rip the puck for a goalie. It was amazing. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a goalie shoot or handle the puck like him. Well, so you play a couple games, uh, you want to get the hell out of Wisconsin. Fuck this place, you know. And, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And uh, what, what's on what's on deck for the next year? I mean, you end up in New Mexico. Um, did did Iowa reach back out to you at all? Was there any AHL interest? Did you go to any camps? Uh, and uh, well, how did you end up in New Mexico? So, we'll, we'll go through all this whole this story. Yeah, I, honestly, I don't. I can't remember what. I think it was just from recruiting. I think. Because they had a young team in New Mexico, I think it was. Oh, I think it was the first year the program was back. Like they had a team back when it was the West Coast Hockey League or whatever. And I, I was either the no, it wasn't the first year. It was the first year in the new rink. They built the new rink, so that was. I couldn't ask for a better team really to go to first year pro because it was a pile of young guys, some awesome older guys. But actually, before that. Um, I ended up going to the Coyotes rookie camp. Okay. So head down there and we go play a mini tournament in Los Angeles at the Kings practice facility. And that was pretty cool. And that was the time Gretzky was the coach. Um, And actually one of my uh, old teammates from North Dakota, Matt Jones, who was drafted by Phoenix, he was down there at rookie camp too. So at least I was going in there. I knew one other guy kind of thing. So went there. I think I played two out of the three games. Um, so we had guys like uh, Peter Mueller, Keith Yandel, um, Matt Jones. Uh, a few, there, well, there was one other, that Enver Lease and Russian guy. He was one of their high draft picks. Um, but no, it was basically the exit meeting. I didn't, like, they told me, yeah, you got to find your niche in pro hockey, but you did a hell of a job penalty killing, but you still got to find your niche in pro hockey. You know? <laughs> I'm like, well, that's kind of contradictory, don't you think? So I ended up, <laughs> can you pause it? I get it. <laughs> so, yeah, so, uh, we're back here. Uh, so Phoenix kind of gives you sort of mixed signals there with their, with their, uh, with your exit interview. Yeah. And, um, the funny, the funny part about this one funny story from there. So I get, you know, we get back from LA, you know, I go get or drop my stuff off in the dressing room and I'm walking in the hallway and out walks Wayne Gretzky. You know, I'm kind of down in the dumps because I just got axed. I didn't even get a chance to play a preseason game or, uh, you know, maybe just sent down to the American League, go to camp there. They just said, go back to uh, New Mexico kind of thing. And 
so I'm kind of, you know, not depressed, just down in the dumps, and Gretzky walks out of the coach's room. He's like, hey, how's it going? I said, ah, you know, could be better, but, you know, it's been a fun experience and this and that. And so, you know, shot the shit with Wayne Gretzky for a couple set, you know, a couple minutes and then went on my way back to the hotel. But now when you look back on it, it's like, yeah, I thought I met Wayne Gretzky and it didn't really sink in at the time. I wasn't starstruck or anything because I knew he was the coach of the coyotes. So it was just, you know, me like meeting any other coach. So I just, you know, and then you sit back and think about it. And it's like, well, fuck. I met yeah. Gretzky and it didn't really even bat an eye at it because I was so mad I got cut. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, I went and ended up in New Mexico. That was that was fun, a lot of fun. Um, awesome group of guys, brand new rink. Um, let's say the travel wasn't that much fun because we busted everywhere and the central league, you know, yeah. at least we didn't have like young Youngstown. I had a buddy that was playing in Youngstown at the time and like they bust everywhere. Granted, they were all sleeper bosses, nice bosses, but you know, sitting on one of those things gets old when you're doing 20, 19, 18 hour bus trips. But yeah, no, it was, and it was, it was almost like being ju- in junior again. Yeah, playing my first year pro because you know you're back to well if you take a run at somebody or if you do this or do that you're gonna have to answer to somebody or you're gonna have to fight and like I said fighting never really bothered me and in the heat of the moment I'd fight anybody that's the stupid thing with me is you know but if it was a little more premeditated like you'd get a little little nervous or butterflies or I'd rather just either come out of a scrum, say, let's go. Or, you know, I remember a few times guys just perp, let's go. I'm like, okay, fine. So you drop the gloves, take your helmet off and go and see how it turns out. Yeah. Well, so. a, cu- a couple of teammates <clears throat> I got to ask you about when you're on here. One of them is uh, uh, Kevin Harvey. Oh my God. That was his rookie year pro too. Yep. That guy, well, obviously, I see just a train wreck. Just beauty, fun, so much fun to hang out with, and just and he was a few years younger than me, so you know he was still a little bit, you know, he's coming out of junior hockey, going I think straight to pro, so it was a completely different. But he was fucking hilarious. Oh my god! And that kid would fight absolutely anybody. He it didn't care if it was. I remember he fought Ryan Tobler. And did well for how, like, Tobler with, with Colorado was fucking massive. There was one punch, though, that Tobler missed Harvey with that probably would have KO'd Harv. And he, Harv knew it, too. He's like, when we watched the video after, he's like, holy shit, I almost died. But yeah, <laughs> he fought anybody, everybody. And just, he was hilarious, just. Because I think he might have been even one of the younger guys on the team, just a complete shit show. Fuck, he was funny. Yeah, wow. And then, of course, then you had the old vet. Uh, he was only there for a night for a little while, but Ryan Vandenbush. Yeah, that was probably the easiest because I Vandy played on a line with me and this Craig. I think it was Craig McDonald. 
Macker and I played together all year, most of the year. And then there was rumors in the dressing room, yeah, we might be getting Vandenbush. Like, no way. That means we can do whatever the fuck we want on the ice and Vandy will fight. Um, and he actually ended up fighting a few guys, but there was one guy at this, I forget who it was from Arizona. Uh, I fought him a three or four times. He jumped me once and I know I got the better of him a few times, but he, the one game he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't leave Vandenbush alone because he wanted to be the guy that fought Ryan Vandenbush. And like when Vandy gets, puts his helmet on, he takes his whole front row of teeth out and puts them on the, on the shelf where his helmet was like, he had no, all his fronts were fake and like his mouth guard was even formed to, the gap and everything. And the guy was like just jacked. And this French guy in Vandenbush beats the piss out of him. And like, you could tell like that he was going to fight if he had to, he, I think he just wanted to play like, and he, it wasn't like he was a shitty hockey player either. Like he could play, like it was fun to play with him, but we could get away with like Mac and I could get a lot of way, way with a lot of shit on the ice. Cause Vandy would just look at somebody and then pretty sure the other guy would just shit himself. Yeah. But Jonathan Bernier. Yeah. Yes. That fucker. I fought him a few times and yeah, I was Bernier. He went after van. I remember the game too. Cause it was in New Mexico, but yeah, Bernier, he, him and I, fuck, I forget how many, at least three or four times. I know he jumped me once. I told we were beating him. It was like last shift of the game. He had no business being on the ice that late in the game. And he's just looking at me and I'm like, if he tries to jump me, I'm going to stick him right in the face. And he didn't jump me right off the bat, but it was to the point where I was so fucking mad after we go off the ice before the, and the way he went off in Arizona is he went through the Zamboni door. There was a little door kind of middle of the corner and actually there was a hallway between the two. My buddy had to come pull me out of the hallway because I was ready to go into their dressing room and beat the piss out of them again for jumping. I didn't want to fight with a minute left, and I think we were winning too. But he jumps me the fucking prick. Oh, I, I, I'm getting mad still thinking about it because, like I said, I, I went into the dressing room, take my helmet off, and I come back out of the dressing room. I'm going down the hallway to go find their dressing room. And finally, <laughs> Craig McDonald... He grabs me, put perp, you can't do that. You'll get in shit. I'm like, okay, fine. So I went back in the dressing room and tried to cool off, but I was so fucking mad after that. Ah, uh, yeah. yes. The, uh, well, another guy that you fought there actually had a big rep coming out of Quebec Junior was Marty Doyle. Do you remember that fight? Yeah, and that one kind of came out of nowhere because I, like, that was one of those, I, squaring up, I probably wouldn't have fought him just because he had the size, reach, every advantage on me. But I, it was something that, oh, I tripped him, and he might have fallen. It was, it was just some stupid play, and I basically looked at him, and I told him to stay on his fucking feet, you pussy, and he turned around like he wanted to fight, so I said, okay, shit. And I dropped my gloves and grabbed him and just started throwing punches right off the bat, and he, he did too, and neither one of us did any damage, but that's one of those ones where, yeah, Heat of the moment, yeah, when you're not thinking about it, but squaring up with a guy that size is like, yeesh. <laughs> probably not the best idea. Probably not. Um, 
Well, well, so you played the season in New Mexico. You have uh, a hell of a year, 23 goals, 188 minutes. Um, the following year, you're overseas. You end up in Cardiff. How did that all happen, and uh, how did you end up in the U.K.? Well, there's a whole story behind why. Like, So I don't know if I should say it, but hell, we're going to tell it, because I know a lot of people have heard it anyway. But the reason why I, like, I had originally signed in – Augusta and East Coast Hockey League, and I was on my way to Portland's camp in Portland, Maine, the American League camp. Well, guys, I so basically I worked without a visa as a summer job helping a guy on a farm in North Dakota while border agents during the search of my truck kind of put two and two together as I'm on my way to Portland, Maine. So basically... I get banned from entering the U.S. for seven years because I worked without a visa, yeah. and all I did was custom combine. All I did was custom combine. So I spent a week in a motel just out, just south of Sherbrooke, Quebec, and you know, talking to my agent. Can we do anything about this? Is there, you know, like it's not like I was smuggling drugs. This and that. I sat in a combine for a month and a half, and kind of got paid under the table for it. Like, fuck. Not like I, like I said, it wasn't, but they saw it as, because when I get to the board and they ask me, the one guy, I knew I was basically screwed when he goes, we had three options. We could let you across and look the other way. We could let you try again tomorrow, or we're going to deny you entry for seven years. I'm like, oh, for Christ's sake, are you like just, you know, that, that was the worst week ever. And then I, cause I had all my stuff. And whatever, I end up taking a bus all the way from just south of Montreal, all the way back to Saskatchewan with all my shit. Then I'm on the phone with my agent for another week trying to figure out, and he ends up getting me into Cardiff. And so didn't have an, any idea where Cardiff, Wales was. I knew it was in the UK, but, you know, I'd never heard of Cardiff. Get over there. Uh, probably, I think it was... Mid October, end of October, early November, I think, is when I finally, or no, it would have been beginning of October. So just after the season had started, and like I said, we you you show up, and that's when they had a temporary. It was supposed to be a temporary rink for like a year or two, because the the main one was tore down downtown, and it was a little eye opening when you look at this this blue tent of a rink and I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll see how this goes. And our dressing room was in a tray. It was in the back. And, but it was, and you know, you awesome guys get to know them. And turns out that city is an absolute blast. Um, you know, so much to do. And, and I had only really played in small cities up until then. And, you know, Penticton wasn't very big. Mm-hmm. Grand Forks was tiny. When we were in, uh, New Mexico, we were in the northern part of Albuquerque and Rio Rancho, so it was it, it had a small city feel, but it, you could still drive downtown Albuquerque. But Cardiff was, and you know, first of all, they give you a car or whatever. Yeah, you got to remember you're driving on the other side of the road. It's like a little bit of an adjustment, that's for sure. But get you know, get over there. Um, it was shitty. My first year, like I said. I think seven or eight games in, we're in Belfast, and 
I take it. I, I get hit as I'm driving the net with the puck, but my right leg stays planted in the ground and basically my whole body pivots on it, on my knee, and I go flying into the boards. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is going to be bad. Go in, their trainer comes over to look at me, and she's like, I think you tore something. I'm like, no, that can't be true. No, no. I'm like, thinking, fuck, not now. So I go out, and I try and do a little bit of a loop just outside the door to see if it'll give out. And sure, shit, my leg just gives out. I fall, get back up, yeah. Turned out I, I tore my ACL and tore a bunch of the cartilage in my in my knee, season done. Had to have two surgeries that year. Um, so basically the rest of the years, you know, stayed there. Did my sur- did one surgery just before Christmas, rehabbed it so they could do the ACL surgery after Christmas. And so it was basically a paid vacation for the rest of the year. And then, you know, basically got sent home end of February. Um, but I kind of already had an agreement with the, the coach, Jared Adams, that um, I'd be coming back the next year. So basically... Went home, came back home to Saskatchewan, just worked my ass off, rehabbed my knee, got it stronger. Um, and at this time, I'd already, well, uh, met my wife over there, actually. She worked in the gym that we all that we were sponsored by and worked out, and so I got to know her because um, she was a physio and a, a personal trainer, so I was, you know, asking her, and then finally got enough balls to ask her out, and then... She ended up following me back here. <laughs> oh, so you so, got the Cardiff gal. There you go. Yeah. Yes, it is. So, yeah, no, it wasn't a full loss of a season. So, yeah, then went back the next year and had an awesome year. I don't know. Everything just kind of clicked for me over there. And well, was, a couple, well, a couple of the characters. Well, you mentioned Jared Adams. Of course, he's kind of the Reg Dunlap that year, player coach, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. And then, of course, you got Big Brad Voth over there too, running around. Yeah. Well, how how are those two characters? G was awesome. Uh, my first year there, he played. He didn't play as much the second year. He trans started transition more to to coaching. But yeah, it was when you get over there, and it's it's pretty wild. Jared's running the drills and practicing with us. And it's like, you know, trying to get your head around the whole player coach thing was a bit different, but no, he was awesome. Got along great with him. Uh, Both was a, another great guy. Uh, real tough to handle when he gets pissed. Cause he's not an easy guy. If he can't walk very well after too many beer, not an easy guy to prop up, <laughs> but but and he had a meet like when that guy saw red like when he the flip the switch flipped he oh just and he, he was so big too like and when he fought and if he wanted to hurt you like you could t- you could just see it he was just trying to put his fist through somebody's face like he he could fight and wow like I said that time too fuck there were some big boys like you know there'd be a hockey game and then you'd have to stop for a two heavyweights just to beat the ever living shit out of each other. And it was fun to watch because it wasn't you, but <laughs> yeah, you also had to watch some, you also had to watch some of those big boys. If you did something wrong, the switch flip, they'd try and kill you too. It's like, yeah, no, you're, I'm not in your way class. Leave me alone. 
Well, yeah, well, yeah, like you said, well, we'll get into a couple of the names that are over there, but just in general with the UK, uh, in terms of the, like you said, you didn't know anything about it when you went over there. And I mean, yeah, you played the seven games, but now, you know, you're, you know, full season, 47 games. I mean, you get 59 points, you have a hell of a year. Um, what, how, how was the skill level over there? Were you surprised by it? Um, yeah, like I said, I didn't know, like I, before I went over there, I didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, you just, I just, I wanted to play and then you get over there and yeah, like there, there was some great hockey players over there. And like, even like some of the local guys, like the British guys, there were some, there were some players like it was, you know, to be honest, it wasn't much different than playing in the Central League because, you know, you had all your skilled guys and then you had some big meatheads that were going to beat the shit out of each other. And so really it wasn't, I didn't think it was that much different than the Central League going from Central League over to the UK at the time. So it was, it was, it was a lot of fun, but like I said, it wasn't too much of a transition. It was just a, a different lifestyle, a different game over there, you know, like, you know, you don't have your big pregame meals. It's not, you're on your own for a lot of things. And so, uh, like I said, it was different that way, but as I said, it was still a hell of a lot of fun. Well, yeah. And like you said, there's some tough, I mean, you know, well, Nottingham, I know you had a few run-ins with Bergen and Richardson. And then of course they had Roman Ender too. It was like playing those guys. Yeah. Bergen, yeah, I fought him the first, one of the first few games I was in the UK, and he ended up splitting me open. And I've never been, I've never had blood in my eye to where like it got underneath my contact. And I was actually lucky because Bergen, like, I liked fighting him because he was respectable. Like, you know, if somebody was going to go down, you, you weren't going to hit somebody when they were on the ground, this and that. You just go toe to toe. But he saw that like I couldn't see out of my right eye because I think it was right or left. I, but it just pressure cut. He, like he met, kind of glanced punch and it split me open. And luckily the referee saw too the blood that, and I couldn't see it was all in my eye. I couldn't see. And like Bergen could have just teed off on me because I kind of stopped fighting because I couldn't, I didn't know where the fuck to throw a punch. Cause I had, I was bleeding in my, my eye. I'm like, what the, so the ref, um, Richardson, that multi little prick drove me nuts. And, I fought him the one time because one of their players, I just laid out one of their players and him and Bergen come running after me. And I'm like, well, I don't really feel like Bergen and Richardson got to me first, but he's sitting there yipping. And he starts shaking his hand. Like he beat the shit out of me. I'm like, at one point I hit him. I know I held, I had to hold him back up because his fucking knees buckled. But, and, and I don't feel bad saying it, but I, on the ice, I couldn't stand the bastard. He drove me nuts. He'd run his mouth, and he, but you didn't really want to fight him if you were bigger because it's like, well, no. But he came running after me after the hit, so I had to fight him. And and I think at that time I ex, I don't know, if, I can't remember if it was that year. I had a my leg give out or something, but yeah, I know. For for I'll give him credit though, like you know, for a guy his size, he could fucking throw punches. That's for sure. And, Obviously, he knew what he, and he knew what he was doing. So you had to be on your toes, like, and he could switch up. And but yeah, after that fight, he starts yipping, and I know I've seen the video, and just the way they color commentated too still pisses me off because I'm like, well, no, that's not exactly the way it fucking went. 
See, this is why we have these so. you have these shows. Now you get to straighten it all out here. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, then in Newcastle, one of the characters, and he played mm. over there, and uh, was Andre Pyatt. And of course, they had Chris McAllister and Tyler Willis that year too. Um, what was it like yeah. playing against Pyatt? You didn't know what to think with him. Like he, he just there. Like I a few times, like with him and Voss fought quite a bit. Yeah. But you you weren't sure if you took a run at him, if he was just going to grab you and start wailing on you out of the blue. Like you, you, you weren't sure when the wires were going to cross. So you kind of just, eh, let's maybe not take a run at him completely unless, you know, maybe we want a power play and let's see if we can get the wires to cross. But, uh, McAllister, actually, I've never had my nose broken in a fight. McAllister, I was going for the puck along the wall, and the way he hit me, it was kind of on the backside of my shoulder, drove my visor into the glass, and my visor broke my nose across the top, like right across the bridge of my nose, perfectly clean break. And he actually, like I came back after for overtime, I think, and he actually apologized for it. I said, well, Shit happens. Like, there's nothing you can do. But I said, or I think I might even went up to us. I said, "You big prick! You broke my nose." He's like, "Oh shit, really?" I said, "Yeah." He's like, "Sorry." I said, "Yeah, don't worry about it." But he fought Voss, and that's the only time I've ever seen Brad Voss get ragdolled. Was McAllister grabbed a hold of him and just threw him around, and we're all sitting there like, "Holy fuck! How strong is this guy to throw Voss around?" Because it's not like. Voss maybe like six five six six, but he weighs a lot. Like he was, I don't even know what he weighed at the time, but like I said, to to, to manhandle Brad Voss, it was like, oh, thank God he's out of my weight class, and I never have to even think of fighting somebody that big and strong. Like fuck, that would have hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, of all the all the teams that you're in Cardiff, uh, what? Uh... Who are the rowdy fans? What uh, what rink did you go to that it was just like, oh shit, here we go? Uh, that would have been Coventry. It yeah. was not like I. I think the first year, like I never my first year there. I don't think I played there. I can't remember if I played there as a player, but I remember sitting out a few games there, like after my knee injury, and just watching. Like they would get like the shit they'd say, and it's just like. Holy! This is a whole, this is a whole another animal. Like compared to North America, like it was, they were probably I would say the rowdiest. Um, I don't know if that's too because Coventry's rink, you know, it's not as big as say Sheffield or Nottingham, where those you know you can't really hear if somebody's yelling at you. But Coventry, they're right on top of you. They're just giving it to you the whole game, and um, it was nuts there. And there was always good rivalries, good games and with them. So it was, I, I would definitely say Coventry was probably the rowdiest fans that I, I can remember playing against. Well, you, um, well, that, that fall, so you played the, the year there in Cardiff. Well, the following year, you end up in the, in the Austrian league with, uh, you were in Croatia. How did, uh, how did that happen? Like, uh, how'd you end up there? Well, I remember, getting a call from their general manager or hockey director of hockey operations or whatever. And it was their first year going into the Austrian league out of the Croatian or I think it was Slovenian league that they were playing in. And yeah, no, I got a call. 
because I've got Croatian heritage. That's what my last name is, Perpich. And so what they were doing was basically, I think what they did is just went through hockey DB and tried to find as many good hockey or, you know, hockey players that were playing pro at the time, try and recruit them over there with their Croatian heritage. And, you know, we like, cause I've got Croatian citizens, citizenship and passport now from being there. Cause I got it through my, my, uh, my family's heritage there and uh yeah end up playing over there and that was that was a lot of fun you know you get to see we went there was a team in hungary you know i think it was six in austria two in slovenia um croatia that was a blast you know we went to the, the coast a few times hung out there and that was amazing but I'd still say to this day that might be because they told us when we got there, you know, if you guys do well right away, the fans will love you. Like they'll be behind you. They'll support you a hundred percent. And they were probably the, you know, did no disrespect to anywhere I played, but that out of all, everywhere I played, they were the best, like rowdiest, loudest, and actually probably hockey wise, like knowledgeable. Um, I know there was one game we played and I think we went down like three, four, nothing right off the bat, like just a couple shitty bounces and, you know, but we still worked our ass off. And I think we ended up losing five, three and from, and the, and the fans cheered for us the whole time, even though we lost. So we go back into the dressing room and our owner comes in. He's like, you guys got to go back out there. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, the fans won't leave until you guys go out there for an encore and just make a lap. Like, what are you talking about? They said they, they appreciate how hard you worked. It just wasn't your day. So we had to go back out there and the whole, the whole rink was still full. And, you know, seven, six, 7,000 people packed still full. We went and did our, our lap and salute and, and went back in. But that's what I noticed about like some, like the Croatian fans, especially over there, like, they they can under they'll understand that you know there's games that you guys are still going to work your ass off but it just doesn't go your way kind of thing so they kind of they pick up on that better than you know some some of uh, some fans the other fans that you play in front of so that was that was a pretty fun experience playing over there yeah well and then of course then the following year you're back in the uh, in the UK league with Newcastle um, was there any was there any chance of going back to Cardiff or did you not want to, or how did the Newcastle thing happen? Um, well, I kind of got, I ran into a coach in in Croatia. We didn't, he didn't really like me enough. And I, I know he didn't cause he told me if I didn't shut my mouth, I didn't, wouldn't see the ice. And then I've got my captain and everybody else saying, well, keep, like, cause I played the same way, no matter where, but it was college junior, whatever, you know, I'm going to get in somebody's head. I'm going to yip at you, like just to fuck with people. He didn't like it. And he didn't want me to come back, even though I was supposed to go back to Croatia. So then I get, I get, I don't end up going back to to Zagreb. So I come back home and I'm waiting to figure out where I'm going to go. And uh, I'm calling around to anybody I know. And and never, it wasn't going to work out in Cardiff. They kind of had their roster set. And I think that was the year they went on that big, uh, uh, was that the world record most professional wins in a row? I think might've been that year. So they had a, a, a pretty good roster. Um, 
So I just I ended up getting a call from Danny Stewart in Newcastle. He was the player coach there at the time. I said, sure. Um, you know, everything else kind of money-wise and everything was similar to what I'd been making, and so I wasn't anything wrong. So I go <coughs> head over there, and I think I get over there, and within the first month we had four imports leave. I find out we don't have a technically have an owner, and I'm thinking, oh, Christ, what did I get myself into here? Like, is the team going to fold by Christmas time, and then I'm just going to be fucked again? So, I don't know. Like, I don't know the whole behind-the-scenes thing, but uh, I'll give them credit. You know, always got paid on time. You know, we still had everything that we needed, you know, sticks, blah, blah, blah. Like, nothing ever... But it got to the point that last year, like we go away on road games, we were playing professional hockey games with nine skaters and two goalies. So basically three lines, three D, or two lines and three D. It was because we had so many guys leave, there was no money to bring anybody in. So we were, you know, home games when it worked out, we'd call up some Brits from the the next league below. Um, so we might get to you know, 14 players for home games, away games. Like I said, we went to away games with nine, 10 guys, skaters plus, and then in plus two goalies. Um, but that might've been the best shape I'd ever been in playing hockey. Cause you know, you power play, there was, so we had three imports on the first line. Well, line one, line two was three Brits. We had an import goalie, uh, Charlie Effinger. He played at uh, Miami university or University of Miami, Ohio. Um, our player coach was one of our defensemen, Danny Stewart. Uh, who else? We had, well, one of our import D-men, we actually had 4-D, but I think uh, Schwartz got hurt, so he had to miss a bunch. But it was nuts. Like, if somebody took a penalty or, you know, power play, we'd play three-quarters of the power play, other line would go out, or just, it was nuts. Like, we were we were all averaging, you know, 30, 35 minutes ice time, like just nonstop. And thankfully we played in Whitley Bay, which was an ancient old barn with shitty ice, shitty old boards. And it drove those bigger teams, better teams nuts. Like we beat Nottingham. We had no business being Nottingham, but we beat them four, three in the challenge cup just because every time they went to dump the puck in, the ice wasn't edged at the board. So it would hit the, the boards and fucking shoot up out of play and it would cause a stoppage. Like it drove teams nuts to play at Whitley Bay, but it worked out perfect for us. You know, we're short staffed and, you know, we were pulling out some wins that we, when we shouldn't have been. Well, yeah. Well, like you said, Nottingham, uh, they had a couple characters on there. Uh, a guy that goes by weapon X named Alex Penner. And then another guy that I saw on video, you had a couple of run-ins with, uh, Lapine, you got any stories of Gilliam Lapine? Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, Penner, Penner went absolutely nuts on somebody, or I don't know what the hell. Cause he got, uh, he didn't last more than a period. The one game in Whitley Bay, because I, I, I can see it right now. Like he was skating up, he did something. I don't know if he jumped out or 
off the bench or, but he just, his wires crossed and he went nuts. And so we luckily didn't have to deal with him for a full game. Cause I think even when we played him again, I don't know if he even dressed, but Lapine, I don't know. I forgot. So the first time we fought, he came out of the penalty box and ended up on a breakaway. So we're, I forget, uh, we're skating back and I'm not going to let anybody skate on a breakaway without, you know, getting my stick on him. So I basically chalk up and, you know, give him a baseball swing across the wrist to try and, or, you know, try and disrupt his whole breakaway. And we end up behind the net together and he's trying to fight me and, or somebody like it was just a complete shit show. And then I honestly don't remember what happened or what sparked the second fight in that game. Cause I remember I was, I got, he hit, I got hit in the corner. I was down on my knees. And then next thing I know, he just turns around and jumps on me and we start fighting again. I'm like, well, we have 10 guys. We we're not fighting because unless you want to break, but we, we weren't going to fight with 10 guys unless we absolutely, absolutely have to. But so then he jumps me and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, like, stop it. So I basically just tried to get the takedown. I remember I grabbed him around the legs and just tried to take him down because there was no point in fighting. Um, especially us, like we were, you know, one of the bottom teams of the league. It's not like we were fighting for playoffs. I don't know if it was just because they were pissed off to have to play on in that rink or what, but yeah, I don't, maybe he was mad that I tried to break his arm on the breakaway. That could, <laughs> that be, could it. be it. He just wanted Wanted to come after me again, but yeah, no, it's that was the only. Th- and then yeah, we play. Uh, I think we played against him a couple other times, and he never. I don't even think he ever asked me to fight. Like I said, they they, they kind of knew that, you know, we've got ten players. Like, uh, you don't, don't really have the manpower yeah. to have somebody sit in the penalty box for five minutes. I was gonna say Sass, Sass Valley teams have deeper benches, but. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, so, um, well, you wrap up the year. You had thirty-five games. You had forty-seven points. I mean, basically, your two years, you played like you're over a point a game guy in the league. Um, before we wrap it up, I mean, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I mean, we already put in two hours, so I know you're a busy guy. But just sort of wrapping up with the with the UK thing, um, just in terms of the league overall. I mean, I've had several guys on the that have played over there on the show, and I mean, we were talking about it off air a little bit. But overall, what um, what was your overall feeling of the league? And I know there's the guys all seem to like it, but their biggest complaint, of course, is the refereeing and and the suspensions. Is that sort of your feelings as well? Yeah, like at that time, you know, you had the and what we had done. Like, it's not how do you put it? You know, the it was the big the big teams basically ran like, uh, what did they call them? The stadium team. Like, you know, you had, they had way more influence on the shit that was going to happen off the ice than say a Cardiff or, you know, Edinburgh when they were in the league or stuff like that. Like it was, let's be honest back then you basically had to try and murder somebody before you got suspended. That's just the way hockey was like the happy Gilmore, try and take your skate off and stab somebody with it. Whereas now, if you look at somebody the wrong way in any hockey league, you're going to get slapped with at least a game. Like, they give out suspensions for roughing too hard now. Like, give me a fucking break. But as far as refereeing, 
it was just that it was so inconsistent. Yeah. And I don't know why that was. Like, there were some awesome refs up over there. And then there were some guys that was just like, I wouldn't trust you to referee my kid's initiation game. Um, but that was, that was where the biggest, like, and it was almost like some guys were, I don't know if they're not scared, but didn't want to take control of a game or, but let's be honest too. At that time when we were over there, you had some guys that I'm sure even the refs were scared of. Oh yeah. Like you just, you just didn't know what was going to happen. Like some of, like I said, some of those guys, like the wires cross and, you know, holy shit, just take cover. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I Penner was one of when he lost it in Whitley Bay, like that was not, and I, and I, like I said, I want to say, I, I, I can't honestly remember what set him off so bad and why he got tossed. Might've been, he might've, I think he even might've pushed the linesman when he was trying to break something up or I forget exactly how it went, but yeah, it, there was a few guys like, yeah, if I was a linesman or referee, like some of those guys, their wires, and it's not, and it's not like they were small guys either. They're big dudes. So, um, but yeah, at that time, and like I said, at that time too, I think a lot of the smaller market teams got shit on by the bigger, bigger teams. And that didn't really help at the time. And, and probably hockey not being that well known in the UK and that big of a sport, I think hurt it at that time. Cause you know, there's a lot of teams, they there was interest, there was fan bases, but you know, the cost of running a team like that was just so high and, you know, try and generate new fans was tough. And let's be honest, some of the rinks that to try and recruit better players over there too, weren't that spectacular, but now you got Cardiff has got an amazing rink there. I can't wait get, to get back to see it. Cause it just looks unbelievable. Um, but then there you got, you got some Canadian ownership there that know hockey have been around hockey their whole lives, helping a UK team, you know, to get off on, uh, on the right foot. And, and I think that's where teams run into trouble too. I know that's when I was over there, that, ownership they didn't know how to handle a hockey team how to kind of deal with it and how to you know drum up more interest and stuff like that because everybody knows what it's like on the ice but you know the marketing side of it and just how to deal with everything yeah well at this point uh like you said you wrap up the year at your uh you're at you're 28 years old and uh was it just uh at that point enough was enough or uh just well, and it was at that time was kind of when everybody was going through that recession. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at that time, well, we weren't married yet, but my uh, my wife and I, we had just had our first child. So she would have been, uh, now I've got to think, one going on two. Um, so, you know, teams that because I had some interest in the UK and Norway, but I know I do remember a team and the team in Norway, you know, they wanted me to come by myself, leave Julia, my wife and my daughter back in the UK, live with three, four other guys, you know, the, the housing thing, everybody was trying to save money on housing. So, you know, get a bunch of single guys or guys that are going to come by themselves for the season. 
and stay in one house instead of, you know, getting five guys, five different guys, five different apartments and stuff like that. So that kind of threw a wrench into a few contract talks, but then it just got to the point where, you know, they do have a, a kid now and starting a family. So I was, the more I worked at home here and, you know, got into the, got back into the family farm and actually it went well that first year home because our senior team ended up winning a provincial title that year. So I won a provincial title with my, my two brothers. That was pretty fun. So, but yeah, it just kind of, it wasn't that there wasn't interest just things just never worked out and uh, just decided to call it a career. And like I said, I could still, still played see still play senior hockey when I can, even though I'm 39 We'll see how it goes this year when I play my first game the next morning if I can get out of bed or not. So. Well, that's the thing. There's a bu- <laughs> there's a bunch of se- for the listeners. There's a bunch of senior leagues uh, in all the provinces, but in Saskatchewan, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's you know ex junior guys, ex pro guys like yourself playing in them. I mean, the you know, and it's small towns, and the boys take that shit serious still. Like, isn't Sunday skate? Oh yeah. Like, you know, you're still yeah, giving well, it. Yeah, it's. It's a free-for-all on the S, and I've even gotten into a few scraps and seniors. Well, one right in front of my grandmother. My boys loved it. Grandma didn't like it so much. <laughs> Old habits die hard sometimes, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, man, that was, you know, but hey, at the end of the day, hell of a run, right? Played, uh, Got to play some uh, Junior A and, uh, the, you know, famed North Dakota fighting Sioux and, uh, you know, play some pro and, it was it was a heck of a ride, and I I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your day to uh, to, to sit down and uh, tell some stories. No, I appreciate it's uh, it's fun going back, and you know, especially when you do it the way we did today. You know, you go year by year, and then so you can take the time and remember different stories from different years. You no, know, it was a blast, and I was lucky to play with and where I did, and you know made a bunch like my kids have always wondered well I go to we go to rinks and you talk to somebody here there my daughter I remember asking me well how do you know everybody I said when you play hockey especially in Saskatchewan but hockey in general it's a small world um, you run into people you played with as kids that you're still friends with or you know stuff like that so yeah it's been uh it's transitioning over now to being the the dad and you know chasing the kids around the rink yeah yeah, you've come, you've come full circle. Yeah, now you're putting the ice in too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, yeah, you bet. Well, excellent. Well, all right, Mike. I know you're. We're, we've we have kept you long enough, so I won't keep you any longer. But uh, again, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on. And uh, hey, if you're ever in Saskatoon, we got to go for beers for sure. Sounds good. I appreciate you having me on. Like I said, it was a blast telling and reminiscing old stories and stuff like that. Like I said, it was fun to be on here well excellent i appreciate it and uh i've got a few things i'm working on in, in different types of uh uh thing series that i want to try so uh hopefully this won't be the last time i have you on we might have to get you back on for some uh for some more uk talk i think <laughs> okay sounds good i look forward to it excellent all right michael let you go you have a good night thanks you too And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 